This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Welcome to Thursday morning. Oh, it was hot yesterday. Oh, God, it was ghastly. I can't bear it. And they've said now, what, middle of August? I'm not sure I can live that long. I really don't. Um, wife dumps husband and 12 kids. 12 surprisingly very good-looking kids. And the wife, um, not so great-looking, has, um, has disappeared off with some other bloke. She said, the kids are better off without me. I think that would be an accurate description. Uh, Peaches Geldof, what a tragedy. Baby home alone with the body for 17 hours. I don't know where her husband was at the time, but she had her heroin. She stashed it in the loft, and then she said she was going to throw it away. She was on pure heroin. She was found dead on a bed with a needle in her arm. It's so tragic, it really is. And Dora Bryan has died at 91. Another tragedy. All of that and more between now and 6.30 this morning. Whatever you've heard about the programme is true. We take no prisoners. We're not particularly PC. Uh, We say it the way it is, and if you don't like it, I couldn't care less. I'm in that kind of mood. It's the weather. The weather affects everybody. If you notice, everybody becomes very sluggish. You slow down. You start slowing down in the heat. All you want to do yesterday is uh, we got some ice lollies. Again, I don't know why. The second second day running, I've had ice lollies, and we had these uh, twisters, they're called. And I think you've got seven of them for two quid in Iceland. I mean, it's ideal for kids and stuff like that, and for, for adults who think that they're kids. And so we had ice lollies yesterday, because it was just so hot. You just don't want to do anything. Even, you know, I suppose even if you went to the beach, what do you want to do? You want to sort of sit down, and you want to sort of just eat an ice lolly, eat an ice cream. It doesn't really cool you down, but it makes you feel a bit better about life. A bottle of cold water is better, but how long do they remain cold for? The answer is not very long. Take them out. I, I took a bottle of water out of the fridge yesterday. By the time I got halfway through it, it had warmed up. It was absolutely ridiculous. And I was sort of there thinking, I must water the baskets. And that, that takes an effort nowadays. So what I'm going to do today when I get back home, because I've got breakfast today, is I'm going to water the baskets this morning, which might save me having to do them later in the day. Because one of my strawberry plants collapses in the heat every day. Every day I water it and back it comes again. But then by the next afternoon it's collapsed again, poor little thing. So uh, we had the Commonwealth Games opening. I missed it. Looked fairly good. We had Rod Stewart. They obviously dug up from some cemetery, and they put him out there. John Barrowman emerges from underneath a kilt. Probably not for the first time, I shouldn't imagine. But anyway, he was there, and the Queen looked great, and everybody's very happy with it. And, uh, and that's it. But it's, it's not the Olympics. And the Olympics, I thought, was fantastic. It isn't until I watched the ceremony back a few weeks ago for the Olympics. I said to her just how blooming good it was. Even with or without the Spice Girls, it was still good. It was very exciting, and, and we did it well. The Commonwealth Games, they did very well. Everybody very happy. Big television audience. But unfortunately overshadowed by, uh, by the Peaches Geldof inquest. And the papers have gone to extraordinary lengths to show you exactly, you know, what it looked like when her body was found. She was slumped in, in bed. I tell you, you couldn't find me some water, could you? Some cold water? Perhaps from a fresh spring or something? Do we have anything like that in the building? We lift up an old cover somewhere and there'll be sort of, you know, some fresh bubbling cold water. It's unlikely, but that's what's going through my mind at the moment. I've lost my water bottle. I can't find it anywhere. I can't find it. One, my, one day I had my, hot, my cold water bottle, the next day I've lost the blooming thing. So anyway, so, um, so Peaches Geldof, I mean, it is, it's an absolute tragedy. She was obviously addicted to it. Contrary to what uh, Baloney, we were told before... That uh, that she was off and she was making best of herself and she, no, quite clearly she was even worse this time round. They found a box next to her. Uh, she had knotted tights because what she had to do, um, you know, without going to too fine a point on it, what they do is they burn the heroin in a spoon and then they uh, take it up in the injection 
and uh, then she injected herself. And they think they, she injected herself the night before, and at some point between then and the time she was found, she died. Uh, she had a, a box of sweets there, but the syringes were all in there. I think something like... Uh, 80 syringes or something, whatever it was. It was just, you know, she had alcohol wipes. She had 6.91 grams of heroin. That's worth about £500. I mean, it's, it's absolutely tragic that uh, she's found dead on a bend, bed with a dirty needle in a box of sweets. But then I'm not addicted to heroin, so I don't know how bad it can be. Quite clearly, it must be absolutely bloody awful. And uh, I think at one point, her husband made her flush her her stash down the toilet, but then all she does is just goes out and gets more. You see, I'm, I mean, I don't care what somebody wants to do with themselves. I think you're, you're playing with a loaded revolver if you want to start injecting heroin, if you want to go chasing the dragon. I think that's really, that's a hiding to nothing. It doesn't matter what you present to the outside world. And to the outside world, she presented roughly, you know, a fairly coherent sort of person. So again, it's to prove to me that you can function on heroin. The only thing I would say is that when she did a, a documentary with uh, Jonathan Levi, who has got his documentary coming up with Tulisa. And that comes up this coming Monday on BBC Three, because he sent me a text yesterday. He's got, he's got to go on Good Morning Britain on Monday morning, the uh, morning of the transmission, to explain how they've been following her for a year. It's all with her permission. And, um, and so that will show that side of it. But in the case of Peaches Geldof, Jonathan made a documentary with her. In fact, he made a, he made a couple of things with her. And one of them, she just looked bored and fell asleep most of the time. Now, whether or not that was her, I don't know. She was on methadone, which was the heroin substitute, for two and a half years. So it must have been while he was filming with her. He did say to me, he said, you know, after she was found dead, he said, it's drugs. Because, you know, people who obviously knew her knew that there was something going on. She was obviously poor soul addicted to it. Whichever way you look at it, it's just a waste of life, isn't it? It just doesn't, it doesn't send out a warning to anybody. It sends out nothing. It just sends out the fact that she's dead. And uh, she ain't never coming back, all because she was addicted to heroin. I'd love to find out when she got addicted to heroin. How do you go from maybe marijuana to skunk to cocaine to heroin? When do you go on to heroin? Who is the first? Because when you look at the size of the needles, I mean, I'm a diabetic and I even, I don't have needles this size. These things are bloody enormous. They're like sort of two inch long needles because you've got to inject it into the vein. You've got to find it. I mean, it sounds horrendous, but if you're a heroin addict, these people do it all the time. But she was she was functioning, I suppose. And then, uh, you know, and then she was found just slumped on the bed dead. I mean, it's just it's just such a waste. You can't explain it anything else than that. Absolutely tragic. Killed by this super strong drug. Obviously, her dealer. See, that's what you want to know. Who's the dealer? Who's who, who sold her this stuff? Who is that person? You know, is it written down on a phone? Have the police checked her phone to find out who this person is? Because that's the person who killed her. The dealer is the one who sold her the stuff which killed her. Because most heroin isn't pure. It's like most cocaine is cut down quite a lot with all sorts of strange things. And so in this case, her heroin was fairly pure. So somebody was selling her some, you know, some really serious stuff. But who was it? She must have had a number on that telephone. There must be an arrest imminent, surely. Or is there not? Uh, either way, she makes the front pages of the papers. It's, you know, her body was there for 17 hours. Over 17 hours, she had nobody with her. But you tend to find heroin addicts are fairly solitary people anyway. Very, very sad. Very, very sad. That makes front pages of every paper today. Uh, except the, uh, the male, who say, Sorry, Dave, your, uh, your donor did make his fortune as Putin's crony. They were saying the other day about money that's been given to the Tory party. And where it comes from. And they were saying the other day that it was, uh, it was uh, a friend of Putin who actually made this money. 
and he gave it. And but Dave, if you remember the other day, said no, 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 no. I was only obviously if it's dirty money, well then it'll go back where it came from. But not in this particular case. But so the uh, mail of done an, ex, uh, an extraordinary story on how this is really dirty money, and it is a crony of Putin's. Um, supermarkets, chickens. I know Ollie Mann was talking about chicken earlier on. I remember there was a case years ago of a farm, of a, uh, of a slaughterhouse in Ireland, where the chicken and a lot of the meat should have been sent for animal feed, and it wasn't. They washed it with a saline solution and sold it to the supermarkets. And they sold it to Indian restaurants. They sold it to all these takeaways. But all they'd done is washed it with a saline solution. And there's workers here in North Wales revealing that the pressure from the supermarkets and low wages means hygiene sometimes took second place to production profits. So in other words, if they dropped chickens on the floor, they would pick them up and just shove them back in the thing again. Who's going to know? You don't know, do you? Many, many workers are young, foreign and on the minimum wage... And uh, they each, uh, how many, 100,000 chickens are slaughtered at the Two Sisters unit in Anglesey every day. 600 people are employed, 100,000 chickens. So how much chicken we're getting through? And where does it end up? It ends up in these cheap chicken places. That's where it ends up. And also in some of the supermarkets. In some of the supermarkets. They talk here. They say, uh, we are audited by Tesco, so we have to meet their hygiene levels. And I know there's been some concern from them. The supermarket has told managers at the factory they need to pull up the workforce and improve hygiene because they're not happy. See, that doesn't bode well, does it? Because you remember last week, Tesco's profits had dropped again for about... I can't remember how many times they've dropped. And uh, if people read stories in the papers that maybe if Tesco are worried about the hygiene standards or where some of their chickens are coming from, that's going to reflect on their customers. We're going to go, I don't think we're going to buy chicken from them. I think legally, legally, if memory serves, chicken can be up to two years old on the shelves. That means chicken that's been taken, deep frozen, you know, into deep, deep frozen. And then it can come out and it can be as, it can be as old as two years old. Meat can be as old as two years old before they sell it in the supermarkets because it's been deep frozen. Not just the normal sticking it in the freezer. This is deep, deep frozen. But, uh, you know, you don't want to read about this kind of stuff. Chickens picked up from the floor, washed in filthy water, then sold in your supermarket and to all these cheap chicken places. You see them, they're all over the place. They're round here, they're everywhere. They're buying cheap. That's how they can afford to sell it so cheap. They're buying it so cheap. I've lost track of the amount of times I've said to you. So if you, if you see a big sign on one of these chicken windows, you know, something that's not maybe one of the big chicken stores, and it says three pieces of chicken, a fizzy drink, and a portion of, um, of wedges, one you're buying crap. You're literally buying absolute rubbish. But there again, who cares? when you've had a few drinks, who cares? You die, you die. They don't care. You try and prove that's where you got it from. Like they, did you see the other day? There was a piece on the television. I was, I laughingly joked about the hot dog sellers in London. You don't see them very often. Many because they're filthy, disgusting people riddled with diseases. And uh, they go out there with these hot dog trolleys and they flog these things which have never seen meat in their life. But you're going by the smell of onions. And these people are disgusting. They've got filthy nails, filthy, dirty hands. As I say, mainly riddled with illnesses and diseases. Generally got a fag on. And they're handling the bread and the sausages. And so the police come along and they, uh, they tell this man who's drunk. He's operating one of these hot dog trolley things. They say, you're, you're drunk and you're not licensed anyway. So they take his food and they throw it in one of the bins next to where he was. So they go, on your way, go on, shoo, you dirty little piece of vermin. Go, go. So they shove him up the road. Police then get in their car. What does he do? Because it's all on CCTV, he wanders back. He goes through the rubbish bin. He picks all his sausages back out, puts them back on the trolley, and starts flogging them again. 
And all the drunks coming out in the night, yeah, that smells, I've one of those, mate. I think, that's been in the bin. That's been in the bin, they've dropped them on the ground and everything. So the police come back and they go, you're flogging them again! Anyway, by that time, they've had enough of him, so they, you know, put him into custody. I mean, to be honest with you, I'd have sort of roasted him myself, stuck him on the trolley and kept him there. Done a Tom Brown school days trick. It's always very popular. So, uh, chicken, supermarkets, yuck, dirty, nasty, horrible. But if they're doing, in this one place, processing 100,000 chickens a day... I haven't had chicken for... I don't think I'm going to eat chicken anymore. I'm going to give up on chicken. I'm going for square eggs. Have you seen that? Square eggs in the papers today. I like the idea of square eggs. I like square melon. Have you seen square melons? Yeah, they do square melons as well now. So you can do them sliced like that. And uh, I like things like that. But I had meatballs again yesterday. I'm so excited. That's two days running. I've had meatballs. And I've got that many left. I'm having them again as well. A bit sick of meatballs, I think. Quarter past four. Morning, everybody. Andrew Pierce this morning in at seven for Nick Ferrari. Uh, in the light of the cases of Rolf Harris and Jimmy Savile, police are struggling to keep up with a number of child abuse cases. Find out why and what needs to happen to make sure nothing gets missed ever again. Plus, patients will have to get used to waiting at A&E because services are too pressured to cope with demand. How long have you had to wait? Don't tell me. Tell Andrew Pierce later on. And after the inquest found that Peaches Geldof died of a heroin overdose, Andrew will be asking, can you ever live a normal life on drugs? It appears so. Apart from the fact that it then got her in the end because she perhaps did a massive overdose. Who knows? Sheila Fogarty, the broadcaster, will be looking at the papers this morning. And it is Peaches Geldof, mainly because this story broke yesterday. The papers then did it because there have been other stories overnight which have overshadowed, but you won't actually uh, get to read them. Uh, 80 syringes, burnt spoons, yet the police said the death was unexplained. Do you remember when that was first happened? They went, the death was unexplained. Yet they must have found her sitting on bed with a syringe on the bed and spoons, and, and they go, the death was unexplained. Sounds to me like it's a classic case of, uh, of drug abuse. And, of course, exactly the same for a mother. Exactly the same for Paulie H. She was another heroin user. Something about it. There might be people listening to this programme now who take heroin. I don't know how, how people are compassmentous or how addictive it is. Presumably, very, very addictive. Very, very addictive. Um, a boy of five is in the paper today. I'll come around to your celebrity stories in a moment because there's a, there's a few people we need to pull apart. Uh, anyway, this boy of five was sent to the headmistress's office and given bread and water for lunch because his mother forgot to pay his dinner money on time. Callum Slater was treated like Oliver Twist. Come here, my dear came home in tears after he was forced to eat in the corridor instead of the dining hall. The punishment occurred when headmistress Alison Johnson refused to accept payment for the reception pupil's hot meals from his mother. She said it was too late for Miss Slater to hand over the £9 weekly payment at the end of the school day as the dinner money had already been banked. Although Miss Slater was reassured by his class teacher that Callum wouldn't miss out on a hot meal, his grandmother Sheila Slater was horrified after Callum told her what happened when she picked him up later that day. They made him sit away from his friends with just bread and water. Oh, that's very good, actually, his diet to go. I mean, to be honest with you, a bread roll and some water was very good. When I went to prep school years ago, we had, um, every morning, haddock. Every morning, haddock. I began to loathe haddock, but because it was the only thing on offer. It was only on Sunday when we got cornflakes. Cornflakes? I mean, that was a bit of a treat for us in those days. This was going back a few years. And, uh, and we got crusty bread rolls with sort of butter and jam, and that was it. But that, that was the treat. Cornflakes, because we were boarders. Uh, what we had the rest of the time to eat, I can't tell you. I really can't tell you. I've got no memory of that whatsoever. But I remember every morning, haddock. Haddock for breakfast. So uh, here in Liverpool, parents are asked to pay the kids' lunch, munch, lunch money on the Friday. So you pay the £9, and it goes for the uh, following week. 
Uh, anyway, uh, a school spokesman said, we have apologised to the parent and the child for any upset and taken steps to make sure the system for payment is communicated consistently in future. There you go. His mother has been feeling guilty because Callum's been punished, even though he's done nothing wrong, just because she was a few hours late with the payment. When we took him to school the next day, he kept saying, have I got to sit outside the head teacher's room? He's only five, so not old enough to understand. He learnt that phrase quick enough, though, didn't he? Have I got to sit outside the headmistress's room? Remember that one? I always think parents say, no, remember this one. Have I got to sit? You know, I'm not saying that happened in this case, but it's certainly very funny. And, uh, and apparently Mrs Slater, who cares for Callum when his mother at work, says both myself and Leslie were very upset and angry about it. Oh, grow up, for God's sake. It's one day he had a bread roll and some water. It's not like that's what he exists on for the rest of his life. They make it out to be something, some really big deal, don't they? Small wonder we're in the state we're in, in this country, and they go, it's dreadful. He was just given bread and water. He was given a nice crusty bread roll and a glass of water. And then, luckily enough, they managed to make him pose for it for the picture for the papers. Oh, dear. Uh, what's this? Revealed the knights, the peers and the royals in the pay of the oligarchs. Here they are, Lord Truscott, Lord Mandelson, uh, Lord Owen, uh, Sir Michael Pete, Lord Miners, Prince Michael of Kent, Charles Hendrick. The list goes on. The list goes on of people who are in the pay of the Russians. But there again, I suppose, if you're a peer, you can offer all sorts of deals, can't you? And if somebody's got that much money... I mean, look, America, welcomed with open arms... That, uh, that ghastly old baggage from the Philippines. You know, this is uh, Mrs Marcos. Yes, there she was. Imelda Marcos, the thieving old bag. You know, with all her shoes and the millions that she thieved from the country with her husband. They were trying to load gold on the plane as the rebels were taking over. They were trying to get their gold out of the country. And then America accepted that thieving old baggage. Every time I see her, she makes me feel physically ill. Awful old woman. Uh, some of the papers are late with some of the stories, like the Romanian father. He earns 21 grand a year, and then he gets benefits of 55,000. 76,000 pounds a year comes in because we give them benefits. For no reason. They don't, uh, they, they weren't born here. There's no reason why we should have to hand benefits out to people. And we give them a house, and they've got just about everything. And uh, they're not going to be eligible to go, to go on the housing register because they've not been living in the borough for five years. But don't worry, they'll find a way around it. Some of these, uh, these ambulance-chasing solicitors will sort of find some way of making sure that they get a bigger house and everything. We might, honestly, it must be the laughing stock of blooming Europe, mustn't we? Absolutely the laughing stock of Europe. There's a, a book out about Tom Cruise. Uh, this again, it, again, coming up with an old story that, wait for this one, Tom Cruise is really gay. And you think to yourself, oh, God, how much longer does this go on for? This is a novel. It's about an actor who's been married three times and romances women to conceal his homosexuality. You know, it's just nothing short of ludicrous. People always do these kind of things. They say, well, of course, it's loosely based on. And then there was, uh, during the Talisa trial, wasn't it, her PA was making allegations about Simon Cowell. He's now had to retract them like big time, like big time. Lest Simon Cowell come down like a ton of bricks and absolutely sue him to pieces. You know, he said, oh, I said I did it when I was drunk and that kind of stuff. There's a lovely picture of uh, Jonathan Levi in, uh, in the Mail Online today, walking behind Talisa. Presumably the film crew is probably just in front of her, just in front of her, because that goes out on... Monday on BBC Three, eight four eight five zero. Steve at lbc.co.uk. Put ice cubes in the basket, says Malcolm. If only the room for ice cubes. My baskets are huge. I'm going to take another picture. Actually, they've grown since I showed you them last time. Steve, you have to admit there are shorts, and there are shorts men can wear. Most UK men wear calf length shorts. It's not a good look. You can spot the Brits anywhere abroad. I'm sorry for Bob regarding his daughter, but where was he? 
or is such a life being part of a celebrity? Yeah, I mean, I don't think, and I think he actually said after she died, you know, perhaps we weren't as close as you would like to be. Perhaps some people are like that with their children, I don't know. It's not up to us to tell people how to parent, is it? I mean, who knows? He might have, he might have known what was going on. He might have known that she'd been on methadone. But how many parents, pardon me, know exactly what their kids get up to? They don't. They don't. You don't tell them, do you? You don't tell your parents certain things. You go, no. <laughs> you don't, do you? You just don't tell them. Much as though, you know, parents would like to think that their kids are very honest with them. You don't tell them, you don't tell them when you first start having S-E-X. You don't start telling them who you're having S-E-X with because you don't want your parents to think about things like that. So you keep things away from them. I mean, I'm assuming that if you're somebody who's doing drugs, if you're doing cocaine or heroin or whatever it happens to be, you don't tell your parents. Because I assume somebody could have got help for her. All she went on was methadone. I don't know enough about drugs to know what methadone does. I just know it's a heroin substitute, and it presumably weaves uh, weaves them off uh, the actual stuff. But it doesn't in this case, because she went back on it again. Went back on it big time. And that's what killed her. And whether or not she knew that she was dicing with death, I don't know. You just feel immensely sorry for people that uh, then have to discover that their kids are doing drugs. It's like when you read stories in the papers about kids who've gone abroad and, and they get horrendously drunk and their parents see them getting drunk because they followed them with a secret film crew. And, um, and they're horrified by what their kids get up to. They go, I can't believe you were doing this. You were getting your bits out and you were doing that. One of the boys was saying, but that's what everybody does my age. That's what everybody does my age. And then the parents go, yeah. I mean, because what you have to think about is what you were like when you were young. And, of course, we were probably all the same, weren't we? We all behaved badly at some point. We all told fibs to our parents. Very lucky to be a a family that can be open and discuss all sorts of things. Uh, The omen came out of the sky in the form of a pesky seagull. Jackie Beresford insisted her daughter buy her syndicate's weekly lottery ticket because she'd been hit by bird dropping, signifying good luck. Oh, God, another one of these loonies. Anyway, she works for Tesco's. (laughs) And uh, 14 of her colleagues went on to scoop 3.7 million. And how much they get each? 246,000 pounds. Now that, to be honest with you, um, a good. I mean, she, a lot of people have decided to go public, but a lot of people in the group have decided not to go public because they didn't, they don't want people to know about how much money they've got or whether they were in the syndicate. She was working on Saturday night. She took a phone call about the win. She's going to treat the family to a holiday. 246,000 pounds. That's lovely. Why not? Why not? It's a lovely amount of money, isn't it? I tried to keep cool, says CJ, by freezing water the night before I take it out in the morning. As it slowly thaws, I drink it very cold throughout the morning. Lovely. Yeah, but a load of people told me about that one. A lady at the station told me a short while ago. That's exactly, uh, exactly how it is. Uh, somebody from Cardiff says, I've cut down on my meat intake and have recently discovered a, an alternative from Waitrose. Corn chicken escalopes with pesto. Oh, Nice. <laughs> you see, I was, I mean, I, to be honest, because I'm not vegetarian, quite clearly. You can tell I'm not, a, I am a meat eater. And uh, I've eaten vegetables. I mean, don't, don't, but I'm not, I'm not particularly bothered about the ethics or anything like that. I couldn't care less. If it looks reasonable, I'll eat it. Don't care what it is. If, 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 if it turns out to be vegetarian, then fine. If it turns out to be meat, it's fine. But chicken, I'm avoiding. I've decided I don't want to eat chicken. I think it's too risky now. I don't eat pork. I've stopped eating pork escalopes and pork medallions and stuff like that. That I've given up on. I'll have a bacon sandwich occasionally. Very occasionally. You might have toasted bacon this morning on white. Ah, uh, with ketchup. It's quite nice. Although, as they call it in some place down um, Villiers Street, you know, they don't call it ketchup. They say well, red sauce or brown sauce. Makes you wonder what sort, of, what sort of rubbish it is, really. When they go red, I feel like saying, is that ketchup? 
And you know damn well it's not, because it's cheap. 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Everybody, 29 minutes to five. It's going to be another hot day today, which means another day of me sitting in, but I've got a sarong to wear. I've got one as well, James. I better go out wearing matching sarongs now. Very exciting. Honestly, he comes back from holiday from sitting in a, in a paddy field in the middle of Malaysia. You know, out of all the items in the country, we could have come back with a small temple, a small Buddha, something. What do we get? Bloody sarong. Bloody sarong. I mean, it's some joke, isn't it? As if I'm really going to put it... I mean, James has worn his on a few occasions. Mainly, in it. He's, he's not brave enough to walk out through Leicester Square wearing it, lest he be attacked, I should imagine, by half the, half the workers in the restaurants around here. Can you imagine? So far. I told him you have to wear nothing underneath it. And uh, he seemed fairly happy with that idea. Now I've got one as well. Same pattern. There must have been a discount shop. Must be one of the. But do you think this, this is the Malaysian equivalent of Poundland he's been into? That's what I reckon. He's going to go. I'll tell Pound. There you go. Buy one of those each. <laughs> I told. I told him though. James tried to wear. It. He thought it was something that West African women put on their heads. You know the women with the big big jugs, and they sort of wrap this thing round their head, and then they, they're sort of holding the water carrier next to them and everything else. So I said, I don't think so. I think it's. I think it's like a. It's a man sarong. It's not like sort of a sari, it's, it's a man sarong thing, and you wear it with sort of... Uh, James is quite taken by the idea, I mean, you know, he'll, he'll wear most things out. You could probably bring in the entire Primark catalogue, and he, he's probably got it somewhere or knows somebody who's bought it. Just got this feeling. <laughs> How long after you're in the car... You know when you're going on holiday, and uh, you'll get... I mean, we all remember back to childhood. Not now, but when you're a child, and you start... You go on holiday, and you put everything in the car, and you've got everything in the car, and the suitcases are wedged in the boot, and then how long before the first argument starts... 22 minutes, apparently. They've now worked it out scientifically. 15% of people have been in family rows so bad that they've actually abandoned the holiday plans and turned back home again. Imagine. I was talking to some of the guys at one of our sister stations are going on holiday together. They're sort of a male bonding kind of thing. And they're going off on holiday. One of them's had his back waxed already. I think he looked roughly like an advert for an Afghan rug shop. And so he's had his back waxed. But he did get a, a date with the girl who did it. So I kind of makes it a bit better, I suppose. Anyway, they're all going on holiday, but they've started now saving the clothes that they're going to wear on holiday. Because when you go on holiday, you just pack shorts, don't you? Shorts, swimwear, T-shirts, probably, probably not even a pair of socks. You don't even need socks on holiday. But we all take one good outfit, don't we? Just in case there's a night where you go to a, to a, to a posh restaurant. It's unlikely in their case. They're all a bit low rent. And so they'll be going up. But they've started saving clothes for holiday. Whereas uh, I, I, I lay everything out on the bed the week before. If I'm going on holiday, I've got something planned, and I'm not really a holiday person. I lay it all out on the bed. So you put your pants out, your shorts, your T-shirts, you know, your Tommy Bahamas shirts and stuff like that. You get it all out, and, uh, and then you start putting... And then you suddenly realise you've got no room in the case because you've forgotten to pack your shaver. Um, because it, I, I do dry shave. I can't do wet shave. So you do dry shave, and you, you put everything... And you think, I've got no room here. Wait a minute, where am I going to put the medicine? Oh, God, the medicine's got to go in. And then, it, but the, the time you know, then you should start taking clothes out. And before you know where you are, you've hardly got any clothes in there, but you've got half the bathroom, which is lovely. 84850, uk. Uh, Suzanne says, I live in lovely Shropshire. I don't know anything about Shropshire. I wish I did. It sounds lovely. I'll have to check it out. I was looking out at a thing the other day. You know, you look at prices of houses in uh, London and not uncommon to find a street in Kensington with, you know, three to six million pounds on a, on a terrace Victorian. Really, that, that, that's quite, quite the norm down here. It's a little bit embarrassing, I realise, for everybody else. But uh, I was looking at some place, I think it was Leicestershire, and there was a place, Limington. We were talking about Limington the other day. And there's a big house in Limington. It's got 26 bedrooms, and they're only looking for, I think, something like 1.3 million. I thought, God, that's big enough to convert into flats, isn't it? 
absolutely. But, uh, anyway, so uh, she says, I-, I like you. This is Suzanne. I'm not keen on the hot weather. I don't know anybody who is. There's only a few people. It's, j- it's just a wee bit, wee bit too burny for me. So I'm standing outside doing the baskets. I could put my hand over the top of my head, which just saved me a little bit. I have no intention of, uh, of being burnt to pieces. Definitely. Uh, 84850, steve at uk And uh, Jan says, I hope you're going to talk about the opening of the Commonwealth Games. Well, I can't. And the reason I can't is I never saw it. I've looked at the picture of the paper. It says, call me a meanie if you like, but I don't think they should have turned it into children in need. And as for Susan Boyle, dreadful, terrible. What were they thinking of? There were bizarre little Scotty dogs walking their poor little legs off weird. She says, I understand that Scotland's having a time of self-gratification, and I do like Scotland to face the ballot on independence, but they overdid it last night. I turned it off in the end and made pancakes. What do they put Susan Boyle on there for? My name's Susan Boyle. Just makes me laugh that bit. Every time I do that, it just makes me laugh. I'll tell you what the weather is later. Nothing at the moment. I, I really couldn't care less. I don't want to share it with anybody, just in case it is terribly, terribly hot. Hope to get a report from the Commonwealth Games opening from your listeners, says Noreen. There you go. You've just had one. And uh, Brian ordered the DVD you mentioned on Tuesday, just for you. Thank you. Oh, I think you'll love it. I haven't watched mine yet. I actually haven't had a chance. I will, I will get round to it at some point. Uh, didn't Dora Bryan have a number one hit song one Christmas? Yeah, she was lovely, Dora Bryan. She really was. You remember her from the St Trinian's films? I know late, in later life it was Last of the Summer Wine and things like that. She was lovely. She was 91. She was an LBC listener in her early days. She lived down at uh, Hove in Brighton. Her two sons were with her when she died. I mean, at the age of 91, I mean, she was just glorious. She was gloriously eccentric. And I can't remember the name of the song that she had at Christmas, but I remember vaguely her singing it, but I can't, I can't hear the song in my head at the moment. But, yeah, she was 91. I thought that way. I mean, she had a blooming, blooming good innings, and she made so many good films. She was just, she was just wonderful. <laughs> she was just nice. She was slightly eccentric, and that's what we like about our actresses. And she lived in 91, and that in itself is a, is a miracle. And at least we've got films to watch. And she made... T- I'm going to find out, actually. Wait a minute. Let me find out. Let me go on to... I'll never understand how this works if I live to be 37. Um, where do I go to? Where do I, where do I go to to get the, uh, the internet? Can you type in uh, Amazon for me and put in Dora Bryan, just so I can see what, uh, what comes up for sale at the moment, what films she's got and things like that? Because I'm assuming you can probably get the, uh, the St Trinian's stuff, which would be good. So Dora Bryan, type it in the box there. There you go. You do your best writing. You know what comes up first? We start off right, Dora. Dora the Explorer, that kid's thing. Uh, they've got 300 and foot... Blimey. Here we go. First off, a film with Irene Handel, Liz Fraser and Brian Ricks called The Night We Got the Bird. Uh, then she had her book out, which was called According to Dora. Absolutely fabulous. Taste of Honey. Great. Charlie Girl, the London cast recording with Paul Nicholas. Uh, Living for Pleasure. Original London cast. All I Want for Christmas is a Beetle was the song. The Beetle. Cockle Shell Heroes. Blimey, I didn't know she was in that as well. Uh, then she was in... Gosh, was she in The Blue Lamp? Wow. Uh, an anthology of favourite pieces. Tapestry Tales. Then you've got Jigsaw Puzzles. And loads of things. The Water Gypsies, apparently. She was in the original London cast with Peter Graves and Doris Hare. Oh, so there you go. The Night We Got the Bird. I think I might get that, actually. I like things like that, because I, I like Dora Bryan. 
I just, I just thought she was great. And she was, in Last of the Summer Wine, she was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So go and, go and check her out. Support some British homegrown talent, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Tony says, why not use a vacuum flask, put ice cubes and water into a flask? Ice cubes, yeah. I mean, it's, it, who has vacuum flasks nowadays? Do people have vacuum flasks? Where do they come from? Where do you get one of those? Oh, I tell you a lie, I saw those in Costco the other day. I've got to go out today. I've got, I'm going to get the car washed, even though I know it's going to rain. Because the last time it rained, I got half a ton of dust over the car, and it's not moved since, I'm afraid. Uh, more of your texts and uh, emails, 84850, steve at uk. Kevin the Milkman remembers her in A Taste of Honey. I don't, I, you know, I can't remember if I bought the film or not. I have to go, when I, sometimes when I go on to order a film, Kevin, it says, you last ordered this. <laughs> I was thinking, oh no, please not. Um, um, another one here. Um, bam, 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 bam. I think Dora Bryan's was All I Want for Christmas is a Beatle, says Shane at Gatwick. God, Shane, it's such a young name, isn't it? Shane. Shane's a very young name. And they tell me here, wait a minute. Kevin the Milkman, nine children, including stepchildren. I only know what they tell me. I tried to find out, but each child is different. And while some tell me, uh, or Sam, possibly too much, a couple of them are uh, far more private. Communication is a two-way thing. Yes. <laughs> and uh, indeed, says, you haven't spoken about that sad chav, Katie Price. Oh, I will. I will this morning. She's booked into the hospital. Apparently she's going to have a baby. Going to have a baby. Pregnant with, uh, with the wife, Cheetah. Little old Kieran, here and after, was known as that sad, lonely, little, little pathetic excuse of a man who's having to hang around there. Oh, I'd have dumped her ages ago. I'd have said no. I'm terribly sorry. And uh, but of course, he doesn't earn any money. He has no money, does he? There's no income. Uh, he was offered to do Celebrity Big Brother. I think he should go on it just to just to annoy her. Because uh, if you're going to have a relationship based on fear, I wouldn't bother staying in it. And obviously, it was based on fear to start with. That's why I cheated. So here it is. It's the gadget which turns boiled eggs into squares in 60 seconds. So what you do is, it's, it's for, yeah, for those people who find an egg shape difficult to handle. So here we go, the year 2014, and already you're idiots because you can't handle an egg. And so this one, it uh, costs around £5, and it's a small square jar which squeezes the egg into shape. So to use, boil an egg, peel off the shell, place it in the jar and screw on the lid. After a minute the egg will have moulded into a cube shape, and when you take it out, it'll be more stable on the table for slicing and provide a neater filling for sandwiches. Wow. Well, that's a nice one, isn't it? I quite like that idea. I thought it was something in it. So, in other words, you've got to boil the egg to start with, then you've got to peel it, and then you've got to force it into this little thing, and then put the lid on, and then it just, because it's, uh, because it's still warm, it presumably sort of then goes into the, the shape you want. It's not necessarily as square as you might want to think it is. You know, that's the, uh, that's, the, that's the odd thing, isn't it, really? But, I mean, we're always fascinated by this. I'm always fascinated by silly things like that. I like it. I like it. Uh, many young children would feel lucky to have a full set of grandparents to spoil them. Eight we called Livia Blaylock. Livia, spelled L-Y-V-I-A. OK. She's got four grandparents and eight great-grandparents as well. And uh, it's unbelievable, actually. And so uh, her oldest, her great-grandparent, June, has reached the age of 92. Livia's 38-year-old father, Lee, says, I don't know what their secret is. I should imagine a blameless life. It's fantastic. They've, they've got four generations of family, four generations of family, all sitting there looking, looking healthy, it has to be said. And sometimes, you know, you do get one or two look as though they might have gone by Christmas, but they all look really good. Very pleased about that. Very pleased. Uh, Prince Harry's friend, Natalie Pinkham... 
married TV boss Owain Wallybioff or something, uh, um, two years ago, but she's taking no chances with his affections when it comes to childcare. She's a Sky Sports presenter. Is she really? I never know what these people do. They have to tell me what people do nowadays. And so uh, she's... Uh, her mother, Joy, has agreed to give up her high flanker as a barrister to care for the couple's first child. Nice, though, isn't it? The oldest hitting the town. Yes, Nigel Planer. Out on the town with Martin Clunes. Martin Clunes only 52. I love the way they call them oldies. And Nigel Plain is only 61, for goodness sake. And that's, and that's oldies now, isn't it? They go, oh, you're old at six... No, we're not. Absolutely not. That's quite young in my, uh, in my books. You must listen to this weekend. Tomorrow, uh, we'll have clips from In Conversation. And, because uh, last week we didn't have clips from In Conversation... Because somebody forgot. Well, we had so much going on that it was a bit difficult. It wasn't until we got to the end of the programme. We went, oh, blimey. Completely forgot about the clip. So this week it's uh, Ian McShane and Michelle Moan from Ultimo. And Ian is starring in the new film. Of course, he was Lovejoy. But he's starring in the new film Hercules. He looks great. He really does. He lives in Malibu. Uh, lived there for 36 years now. And when he comes back into the country, he flies back in to do work. And then he flies back out again. So that's how it works. And it's funny, because I was saying to him, I said, Lovejoy's always being shown. He said, I know, I get the royalties. And uh, he doesn't go on holiday, he just goes up to the roof. He's got a penthouse apartment, and he goes up onto the roof and sunbathes. And that's his idea. Why would you want to go anywhere else? You're overlooking the ocean. It's lovely. He's very near the hotel that we stayed in, the Casa del Mar, which is on the, uh, on the beach. Very nice, luxurious hotel. And uh, although I wanted to stay at Shutters, which is next door. Shutters is lovely. It's, it's a hotel with... Shutters. And that's why they call it Shutters. And it's next, it's next to the, the, uh, the pier there in, uh, in wherever it was. And it's very nice indeed. And, the, and, and at night they've got a Ferris wheel which all lights up and all flashes and twinkly lights. It's beautiful. But the, but the funfair ride that they've got on the pier is the one that was used in the film The Sting. If you remember the film The Sting, all the girls were given a break every afternoon through working upstairs in the bars uh, to go on the funfair ride. And this is the one that's on the pier, though. It's lovely. Quarter to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Surely not. It's uh, 12 minutes to five. It's nice to have you company. Welcome to Thursday morning on, on LBC. So all the papers, I mean, I wish they weren't, but they are. And uh, the family of Peaches Geld have had to relive this moment all over again, only this time with, uh, with pictures of her on the bed. I mean, not it's, uh, it's uh, an artist picture. Uh, also, um, pictures of cotton wool buds, citric acid. But, I mean, I don't understand half of this stung. Stuff with uh, syringes and burnt spoons. I mean, it's just sad, isn't it? You know, because that's somebody's sister, somebody's daughter, you know, somebody's cousin. That's a member of their family. They don't want to... They don't want to see this all over again. Why can't they hold these things in private? Make it so much easier. 84850steve at lbc.co.uk Jonathan says, I'm glad you said that, Steve. Turned off the Commonwealth Games. I found all that Scots Fest nauseating. I wish I'd seen it. I mean, I'll probably... I'm, I don't know what Susan Boyle was doing there. What in God's name was she doing there? Was there some particular reason for Susan Boyle being there? My name's Susan Boyle. <laughs> I do laugh. Do laugh, actually. Uh, Andrew is in, where is he? Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam. How cool is that? How cool is that? Ho Chi Minh City. I bet that's hot. I bet that's very hot over there. I mean, we, it's funny, we were complaining about it yesterday. My next-door neighbour was saying to me, he said, how much longer does this heat go on for? And I said, I think it goes on mid-August. And these, this is the neighbours, Kenny and his wife, they bought a little paddling pool for their little boy, Matthew. 
And so Matthew's got his one pair of good shoes, which he runs up and down with. They don't like to get them wet. But what he's fascinated in is when I water the hanging baskets, the water that drips out of the hanging basket, he likes to put his hand underneath. And he, that, that fascinates him. He loves it. So yesterday he's doing that. And then I told you, he's doing sign language. I can't imagine why he's doing sign language. But anyway, when he hears a plane or he sees it, he does this thing like that, where he waves his hand backwards and forwards for plane. And he could do motor car. But he can, he, can, he can hear planes quicker than we can. He'll be sort of doing that. He'll look up to the sky and he'll go, where is it? A plane? Where? 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 And all of a sudden, this thing appears. You think, well, how has he heard it? Obviously, got super, super hearing. So yesterday, he's in his little paddling pool. And then he takes all his clothes off. So we've got him sort of bouncing around, you know. And I thought, perhaps I should do the same. I thought, no, not at my age. It looks a bit sad and saggy. So there's no point doing it. But it was so hot that the tiles on the patio, if you didn't have shoes on, they'd have burnt the soles of your feet. We went to Cannes many, many years ago. Dale Winton and I went to Cannes. On a, on a, it was a hilarious holiday. We got it for free. We, we, we drove over to Cannes. He knew a woman who had a print shop in Nottingham, and she had a flat on the Quasette. On the Quasette. And so she said, you can have the flat free. So, pff, brilliant, thank you. So we drove down. Dale had a sports car. We loaded it up with water and... And I tell you what had just come out at the time. It was, um, I don't know, um, I can't wait, you might, might remember what it's called, Jeff. You put this, it's like powder you put on your tongue and it starts popping. Space dust. Have you ever had space dust? It's, no, it's not sherbet. No, it's space dust. It, this pops in your mouth on contact with, with saliva. It's hilarious, honestly. First time we'd ever had it, we it, well, we laughed. And when you laugh and the inside of your mouth, you go all over the place. So we had this and we drove down to Cannes. Uh, easy. We had the Michelin guide and we followed Route du Soleil and it was just brilliant. It was easy. Getting around Paris, they said, was a difficult bit. Not for us. We just followed Route du Soleil and off you went and down into Cannes. So we get into this apartment and it's lovely. It's uh, a one bedroom apartment uh, which had two, two beds in it. There was a bathroom, a sitting room and a balcony. So we thought, you know, you know, we'd, we'd just enjoy ourselves. So we did all sorts of things. You know, we went out every day to the beach. And when we came back on, I think, the second day, we hung our swimming costumes up on the balcony. Well, there's a knock on the door within five minutes. No, 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 swimming, no, please. But not, you weren't allowed to hang anything outside. They were very funny about that. So we meet up with some people that he knew from a radio station in Nottingham. I won't mention their names in case they might be listening or word might get back to them. Anyway, so there's a family. There's father, who's on the radio. There's his wife, and there's the children. Now, in Cannes, on the front, all the beaches are topless. Every single beach in Cannes is topless. In fact, if you're wearing a top, you kind of stand out, because everybody's top. And it doesn't, you know, if, if you're slightly of a nervous disposition, you might find it a bit disconcerting. And all the beaches in the front are owned by the different hotels, and then at the end, there's a public beach. So we went on to the, uh, the Carlton Beach, and you pay you pay to have a deck chair on there, but it's nice and it's fairly secluded. And we used to take our big uh, freezer box thing down there. We'd fill it up with cold drinks in the morning, ice packs, and put giant peaches in, and that would be our lunch for the day. Well, you can't do that on the private beaches because they've got bars there and they want you to buy their stuff. And we were doing it on a budget. We didn't have very much money. So we used to go onto the public beach at the same time so we could eat our stuff, which was OK. We didn't have any problem with that. But anyway, this particular family of the DJ and his wife and the kids... She went topless on the beach. So we're all sitting down there on the beach on a rug and we're having drinks. All of a sudden she took her top off. Well, you'd have thought that Armageddon would have started. Her husband went ballistic. Went ballistic. Put your top on. Put your top on. 
And she wasn't having anything to do. She said, no, everybody else has got their top off. And so she sat there with her top. Well, we didn't know where to look. So, I mean, because it's very difficult to have a conversation with somebody who's practically naked in front of you. I would feel the same with any of the team here if I went onto a beach and they happened to be sitting there in a sarong and they were naked. You know, I'd, I'd feel equally uncomfortable for about a second. <laughs> and then I wouldn't care. And because actually there was a guy from here... Well, in fact, actually, Chris Lowry, the weatherman, went over to Australia. We used to have a guy doing our breakfast show called Mike Carlton. And Mike Carlton was big, big deal on Australian radio. But he came over here to work on our breakfast show. Anyway, they then go over to Australia, uh, Chris and his other half, Steve. And they, Mike Carlton arranges to meet them on a beach. He's only stark naked on the beach. <laughs> they said that to sit next to him. And he was stark naked. They said, it's a bit difficult. Somebody you've worked with on the radio. I mean, I would think exactly the same. If here somebody said to me, I'd like to come on a nudist holiday, Steve. I'd, have a, I'd be having to think about that one fairly carefully. I can't remember why I told you this story to start with. But anyway, I'm just saying. So and in Cannes, which she went topless. Anyway, the husband stormed off. He stormed off. She thought it was OK. But uh, he he wasn't okay with it at all. And yet, strangely enough, all the swimming pools in Vienna, they're all topless as well. They went topless about 25 years ago. (laughs) They don't worry about things like that. I don't know why I'm mentioning that, actually, because we were in Ho Chi Minh City with Andrew, who says, I've been listening to your show for uh, for a couple of years. I have it on in the office every morning as we're six hours ahead. Six hours ahead. So so you're about about five to 11, aren't you? Coming up five to 11 in Ho Chi Minh City. Oh, dear. What's the food like over there? Is it nice? Is it nice? It's not crickets, is it, or something like that, or sparrows on sticks. I wonder where our sparrows went. They all disappeared from here, didn't they? They're all in Ho Chi Minh City. They have a lot of street food, though, don't they, in Ho Chi Minh City, I would think. What would be street food? Chicken or something? Would it be little little bits of something? Noodles. Oh, not noodles. Oh, God, I can't bear noodles. I'm so bored with noodles. Noodles here, noodles there. Noodle bar. They had a thing on the television where the two hairy bikers went out, and they might have been in Cambodia. And they went to this restaurant, which has sprung up everywhere. You cook your own meat, but on each table there's a pipe that comes down. They hook it down from the ceiling, and it sucks the... Uh, it's like an extractor fan. And so you can cook your own meat and everything else at the table. I don't like that idea. That's the old Japanese idea, isn't it, of sort of having to cook your own food. I think if you go to a restaurant, the least they can do is cook for you. The sequel to Telly's Benefit Street has been branded racist by furious residents. Several have threatened to smash film crews' cameras if they return to work. Oh, dear. What charming people they must be. One long-term resident says it's a racist show. It'll ruin our lives and we can do nothing about it. The outburst came as uh, 200 locals packed a school hall to grill the director, Kieran Smith. Another blasted you may well as be funded by the BNP. Do you know what this programme will do to us and our children? And um, it's, it's amazing, isn't it, really? A Channel 4 uh, spokesman had denied the claim. A spokesman said, Producers spent several months getting to know the community. Only those who've given their informed consent will be featured in the series. At one point, uh, somebody said, Go away, we don't want you filming here. And uh, and some characters have threatened to revoke permission for their footage to be used after claims they were misled. God, they're so thick, these people, aren't they? They're so thick. I mean, for goodness sake, they're filming in the street. You don't want to be in it? Don't be in it. There you go. End of problem. End of problem. You don't have to worry about it ever again. Ever again. There's nothing nothing to worry about in that one. 84850steve-at-lbc.co.uk And uh, Dean, no. No. Uh, Mary says, I bought a pack of four chicken breasts, seven pounds from M&S last week, was going today to buy four more, changed my mind, I wonder why. He said, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, there's something about, they, they're now doing this chicken story on the news, and once they start doing these, you know where they sort of mash chicken up? 
And you know, Ollie was talking about the sexing of chickens, because what they do... Oh, is that funny? Was it funny? Chickens have got to be sexed. They're just human beings like anybody else. They're God's creatures. And um, they... Um, well, sort of. And they, so when, when, they're, when they're little chicks, they go down a conveyor belt and somebody picks off the, uh, the males. They don't want the males. And so the males get picked off and they go into a separate bin. And, the, and because they only want chickens, we're going to lay eggs. And as you know, cocks don't lay eggs. And so they go to, uh, to one side and they get mashed up and they get fed. Back to the chip because they don't. What else you can do with them? Give them a Christian burial? I don't think so. No, they get mashed up and they go in. It's like fish fingers. Fish fingers are just. I've said before, pound for pound, it's cheaper to eat smoked salmon. Much cheaper than fish fingers because at the time you take over the take off the actual coating of the fish finger and you weigh the actual fish in the middle, it's very very expensive. Very very expensive. But that's all mashed up, isn't it? That's all mashed up fish. You know, even though say pure cod, it's 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 all put together. It's a processed thing. And I think you get a lot of processed chicken where it's all mashed up together with all sorts of bits and pieces. I don't like to imagine what it is. And then it's re I think they call it reformed. So when you get chicken dippers, it's reformed chicken. They haven't sort of carved it out of the chicken, have they? Because it looks stupid. So it's reconstituted. It's blasted to get rid of every scrap of meat. And then it's all minced up. And then it's reformed into to chicken dippers. And I feel quite ill, actually. Because when you look at it, it looks like a thick paste. It looks like a thick paste. They were showing it on the news earlier on. And I was looking at it thinking, I must remember, never to have chicken dippers ever again. Don't know why. 84850, steve at lbc.co dot uk and uh and then we'll tell you about the uh, mother who walked out on her 12 children and a good looking bunch they are too ever closer to the weekend it's thursday morning your early morning breakfast show uh it's thought paracetamol paracetamol may not actually help lower back pain despite being the recommended treatment for it is it really i didn't know paracetamol was it really i thought diclofenic was the thing for back pain i like diclofenic Although I've been told it's, it's not, uh, not so good for you. A project has been launched to help people identify remains from the First World War yet to be dug up. English Heritage has put 95,000 photos onto an online archive which it wants us to tag. Experts have come up with a formula for what they say is the ideal family day out and the average cost of a three-year university degree has risen to more than £26,000. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. That and more is next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to talk about professional. I tell you, do you know, I could be the other side of the building and I could still manage to make it back into the studio. I'm strangely drawn by a red light, ladies and gentlemen. So we had the Commonwealth Games last night, all a bit... All a bit interesting. I, th- I think interesting describes it. I didn't see it. I've seen the clips. I know that uh, John Barrowman emerged from underneath a kilt. <laughs> There's got to be some irony there somewhere. Rod Stewart sang. Susan Boyle did something else. And everybody looked very happy. And uh, Scotland are very happy about the whole thing. Uh, sadly, it was overshadowed by Peaches Geldof uh, and her last fight for life. She died of a heroin overdose. She was back on the heroin and it was the pure stuff. And that's what killed her. This is LBC. I like the idea as well that, uh, that, that back pain is the biggest uh, thing that affects people nowadays. It is the one thing that there's probably people at the moment who've got back pain and they are suffering badly. There are two sorts of pain. You can either have back pain or you can have toothache. 
and toothache as a result of an abscess or something like that is absolutely crippling. Back pain is terrible. I've had back pain. I've had toothache, but uh, not for many, many a year. And uh, the one thing that sorted out the back pain for me was diclofenic. Now, many doctors will not prescribe diclofenic. For me, it was the it was a saving grace. If you had a bad back, then uh, that was the thing to do. And so a lot of people have started using paracetamol. And what they've said now is that they don't think it actually helps lower back pain, despite being what is, I suppose, the accepted treatment for it. That's what people think. They go, got back pain, paracetamol. Got toothache, paracetamol. It seems to cover all sorts of things. If you've got, you know, uh, all sorts of aches and pains, if you have a look on the back of the paracetamol box, it seems to cure just about everything. Uh, I take aspirin as part of my prescription, but I think that's to look after my heart. Well, I think it's to look after my heart. I've got no idea. I'm not medically qualified. I just have to go by what it says in the in the newspapers. And so if you are one of those people who is suffering with back pain and you're taking paracetamol, does it work? Because I think it's one of those surveys. I think that it's, it's, perhaps it's psychosomatic. Perhaps, you, perhaps you've believed or you've made yourself believe that the back pain will, will go away. I like the idea of a single jab to fight arthritis uh, because that's crippling for a lot of people. This, this technique involves coating damaged cartilage with stem cells taken from a patient's own hip and mixed with surgical glue. And uh, it's, so it should cost just a few hundred pounds, which is actually, you know, within most people's capabilities. But as you get a bit older, there are certain things you notice about your body. Your body changes as you get a bit older. You know, when you get sort of past 40, I don't know, I'm not there yet, but people tell me, you know, you start getting a bit slower. In this weather, a lot of elderly people slow down. I was complaining the other day. Uh, to a lady who came in and said, when are we going to complain about Twickenham High Street, Steve? There's no seats. There's no seats for people to sit down. You would think, you know, they've widened the pavements, lovely though it is. Can we have some seats there for people to sit down? There's lots of elderly people. They like sitting down. It's a great place to watch the world. We used to have seats all over the place. Now the council taking them all away. Perhaps they think we're all able to stand up forever and a day, but it would be nice to see seats there. I'm quite sure, you know, some well-chosen places down the middle of the high street, perhaps some planters or even trees would be quite nice. But, uh, you know, they're spending enough money on the pavement, which already is marked beyond belief. So why not put in seats? There's not enough seats. Even in London, there's not enough seats for people to sit down on. Every, everywhere I go in London, I'm always looking around. Where's the seats? Where's the seats? I want to sit down. Here's the story of this mum. I say mum, there's a picture of her, she's a fairly, fairly butch-looking thing. Anyway, she walked out on her 12 children, and uh, they're a good-looking bunch of kids, actually. I mean, they really are, it's unusual. Admittedly, the father's legs are covered in tattoos, so he's a bit chav, can't help it. Um, but they've got everybody from, uh, from Matthew through to Jack, through to Ben, Lily, Rhiannon, Peter Jr., Josh, uh, Adam, uh, Beth, Aston, Blake, Reese. All got names, but it's the father's legs covered in tattoos. Anyway, the wife walked out. She's had enough. And, uh, and she said, I'm going elsewhere now. And so um, Peter, formerly of Roehampton, I don't know where they are now. Perhaps they've gone somewhere. But she, she's up and left to go with a man called Colt Nimes. Colt? Who's called Colt in the state? Where do they get these names from? Anyway, um, Tabitha met Colt who changed his name by deed poll, while both worked as security guards at the 2012 Olympic. He then went back to Rill... And uh, then they'd embarked on an affair, and so it, so it took place. And so she's walked out on the kids. Walked out. Peter relies on around £2,000 benefit. Oh, so Peter doesn't even work now. Here's another one on the old benefits. Oh, 
God, dear. He's a former painter and decorator. He says most of the children don't miss their mum, who's now married, Colt. Grief. <laughs> they don't waste any time, do they? But he's on benefits, which is a shame. Now, you'd think, actually, he could sort of, you know, he could do something a little bit better. He's considering a move away from Rill with the kids to banish bad, bad memories. I think so, too. I mean, she's obviously moved on, isn't it? How can people do that? I don't quite understand how that works with families. Kilts, giant IRN brew and Subo. And here they all are. And uh, Tom Daly flew back to Britain, ready for the games, with his boyfriend uh, to cheer him on. They had been stuck in Russia since Monday. Uh, here's John Barrowman. He's ageless, John Barrowman. He's ab- he really is. He's 40... What do we say he was? 42, I think, something like that. He's absolutely... He reminds me of me. A lot of me, I think. You know, unfortunately, I can't. I was saying to somebody the other day, I said the sickening thing about John Barrowman is that he's good looking. I mean, he seriously is. When you see him in the flesh, he's seriously good looking. And he's got a nice smile. He's a great singer. He can dance. And he's got a great personality. And you think, that's why everybody hates him. <laughs> it's just, he's, he's the perfect package. He's everything that you sort of, you want to be. I would like to be that good looking. I would like to be able to sing. Actually, just one of his talents I'd be more than happy to have. But he does have that irritant factor for some people. I can well imagine some people going, oh, not John Barrowman. But I promise you, you won't meet a nicer person. He's great. But anyway, so he was there uh, opening up and, uh, and the tartan was on display. See, I love patriotism. I don't care whether it's Welsh, Irish, Scottish... English, anybody, you know, British, I don't care. I just like patriotism. I like the idea that people have national costume. I like the people, you know, that actually have... Oh, I thought I'd lost my sari then, my little sarong. <laughs> I look round panic-stricken thinking somebody's taken it. Please, God. And, um, no, seriously, I love it. I love it, really. I'm going to go home and wear it today. Not. I, um, I should probably decorate a lampshade with it or something. I don't know. <laughs> Put it over the settee. I don't really know what you do with things like that. Was it very expensive? No, thank you. And, uh, or it was, yeah? Was it? What? Two for, two for a pound. <laughs> I can't see. I, I should have... Well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Anyway, that's what he bought me when he came back from Malaysia. You know, most, most people bring back a gift like jewellery or gold or silver or something like that. Or perhaps, you know, some, I don't know, some royal barge decorated with mother of pearl. You know, or something. And anything apart from a sorry. But, uh, no, we got it. Let's, and I'm very good. Don't, don't think I'm not grateful. But the moment I saw it coming out, I thought, wait a minute, he's given one of these to James as well. I bet all his friends got them. I bet he brought back a suitcase of these things. I bet there's a whole... I bet he bought back one for himself. Did you buy one for yourself? <laughs> and he bought two. We had to suffer, James. It's us, isn't it? I don't know, really. Honestly, he must really hate us. It's re- what can I buy? The most embarrassing present. Come back from abroad. He sent a thing out on the internet saying, oh, the sweets upstairs. Not by the time we got in the work, but anyway, so it doesn't matter. So there were sweets upstairs of jubilee. I did have one. It was a coconut-type sweet. Well, to be honest with you, I felt distinctly light-headed after I'd eaten it, so I don't know what was in that one. And then there was some other strange thing that looked like crushed nuts. I thought, that's appropriate. And, uh, and so then... But there was no mention of bringing in these sarong things for us. So I'm sort of... I'm toying that, putting it on later and recreating a scene from a town like Alice, you know, where I sort of... Or failing that Tenko, where I can sort of re- recreate the jungles of Borneo. Anyway, so just going back to the opening, Mark set Glasgow... The Scots went tartan balmy, and so they should do. It's a great thing to have. It's a great thing. I, it's, I, I love anything like that. I'm, I'm just, I'm just crackers for anything that involves ceremony. I like ceremony. I think we do ceremony well. I think everybody does ceremony well. I like, I like watching. I go to YouTube and I find out all sorts of things. I love ceremonies. I love marching bands in America. I like all the silly things. I like the things that, you know, when we, when we have it in London and we have the marching bands and it's down at Horse Guards Parade, I get excited over that. I just think we do it so, so well. So, so well. Jilted model 
Uh, Nadia Ford yesterday blasted Rory McElroy as disrespectful over his new birdie. Nadia had been linked to the golf superstar since he ended his engagement to his tennis ace, Caroline... I don't know how you pronounce her name. Is it Wozniacki? Woz- Wozniacki. OK. Oh, it's better than I thought. Wow. Uh, in May. But as she waited to board a flight, she looked upset over reports Rory had been secretly dating part-time model Sasha Gale for five weeks. Passengers at Heathrow said they heard Nadia telling a friend Rory had not texted her about the other woman. What is it with these people? He's not married to them. He's just having flings. Anyway, uh, one says Nadia asked her pal if she should text the open winner to say he should have shown her more respect. An onlooker said she was seriously shouting her head off. <laughs> and apparently, on her arrival from the flight at Dublin, Nadia leapt into a cab without answering questions about Sasha. Her spokeswoman also declined to comment. I mean, who cares, love? Listen, you've had your five minutes of fame. Get over it. Goodness sake. Listen, people go out with people. People finish with people. Quite clearly, you were just a fling. And that was it. You know, you're not married. If you were married to nothing disrespectful about it. You need to grow up. Let's face it, up until now, nobody had ever heard of you. So be grateful you got something out of it. Slightly disturbing, a crazed prisoner, in protest at the baking heat in his cell, gouged his eyes out. Yes, I couldn't quite understand that at all. Uh, this is in, not, not abroad, this is here in Nottingham. This is in, uh, in a prison here. The conditions in Category B, Nottingham Jail, on Monday evening. Last night, recovering in hospital, he used a blade he sneaked into his cell... In protest. Have you seen... You know, I see more and more of these cases. It's quite easy to make a blade in in a prison now. When you get prisoners who are attacked in their cells by other prisoners, they've made the blades there. A lot of guards turned a blind eye to this sort of thing, and it goes on all the time. People have died as a result of being attacked by people who've taken a toothbrush, sliced away and made little... Th- you know, and it's just appalling. So this man, because it was too hot in his cell, he blinded himself. You'd think... With hindsight, I mean, quite clearly, this man must be suffering some sort of mental illnesses. That uh, if it was too hot, they would have. I mean, they're not going to bring fans into the cell, and they're not going to put in air conditioning. These are old buildings, mainly. Uh, nobody came till uh, till eight p.m. Somebody screamed at about seven thirty. Said the prisoners, and the jail source said the uh, the heat is so high, prisoners simply can't deal with it. Uh, they need to let some air in. It's only going to get worse. So now the prison service have launched an inquiry. Now, admittedly, it has been hot. It has been hot. But we don't have it for very long. We just have little bursts of heat. But uh, the best that they, they can do, I suppose, is sort of just get more... How do you get more air into a place? I've got no idea. I've got no idea. So uh, so they suffer. I just lie down on the bed and just sleep, to be honest with you. Catch up on sleep. Quarter past five. Andrew Pearce at seven this morning. And in the light of the case of Rolf Harris and Jimmy Savile, police are struggling to keep up with the number of child abuse cases. Find out why and what needs to happen to make sure nothing gets missed ever again. Plus, patients will have to get used to waiting at A&E because services now are too pressured to cope with the demand. How long have you had to wait? Don't tell me. Tell Andrew Pierce later. And after an inquest found that Peaches Geldof died of a heroin overdose, Andrew will be asking if you could ever live a normal life on drugs. Sheila Fogarty, the broadcaster, is looking at the papers for today. It's interesting because we just mentioned uh, earlier on about uh, people going out with, uh, with footballers, people going out with tennis players, and now, of course, it's Rory McElroy. And uh, love could be in the air for One Direction star Niall Horan. Niall Horan is part of the, uh, the little boy band, One Direzione. And uh, he and tennis ace Caroline Wozniacki, 
I think that's how we pronounced it earlier on, uh, might be getting together. According to, uh, according to Caroline's best pal, Laura Robson, uh, she says that she helped set up the pair's first meeting at Wimbledon last month. Laura said, Caroline is the biggest fan. She was so excited and happy and thinks he's adorable which means she thinks he's a child. You know, when you say somebody's adorable, that generally means they're not quite manly enough. And unfortunately, poor little Niall Horan, I mean, he's it's, it's just in a little boy band. It's like they're, they're trying to make out Harry Styles is Mr Rock and Roll. He's in a little boy band. little boy band called One Direction. They might be successful, but they're a little boy band. They sing little songs about surfing and happy summers together and kissing first girlfriend and stuff like that. There's nothing rock and roll about any of them. They're just a bunch of little pretty boys all put together. And that's it. Apparently, she was, uh, she was caught saying, this is Caroline, that uh, her relief at being able to wear high heels since she split from Rory. Because uh, he's only five foot nine. But she'll have to take them off again if she's going to get a little Nile. He's only five foot seven. Only five foot seven. I mean, he's like, that's that size of a leprechaun, poor little soul. There was a lovely picture of uh, Michelle Keegan and her husband moving into their home. It's nice. Got home together in Essex. And, uh, and they've got... <laughs> They've, they've, they've got a picture of the of the lorry in the bazaar column today that has brought their, their possessions in cardboard boxes. They've said, in the large boxes will be Michelle's fan mail, large box, large box of fake tan, uh, also some protein shakes, and in the larger box, the official Mark Wright calendars, years 2010 to 2014. And then they've got, in the small boxes, Nanny Pat sausage plat, frozen, Mark's fan mail in the small boxes, teeth whitening kits, body hair removal cream because he shaves his, his body hair, and uh, also Hollywood Nights DVD box set, the only one ever made, they say. He's got them. <laughs> uh, this is their luxury mansion. Just an Essex home. All right, just an Essex home. Not to get too excited about. But however, here she is in the paper again, having last appeared at Cheryl Fernandez Versini's little party. Yes, it's little Nicola Roberts who split from her fella. Apparently, they don't live together anymore, and she's back on the shelf again. They had a six-year romance. Although I know somebody not far from me who thinks they're in love. They're in love. You in love, James? You in love at the moment? Maybe, maybe. Put it, I'll give you a clue. South Africa. You know, just a little bit of a hint there. I do the voice and everything else. <laughs> I don't think you should want to go to South Africa. To be honest with you, it's not the safest place in the world to go to. <laughs> It's good. I like it. Um, what else was in the paper today? Oh, dear. This is a Daleks, a Daleks story. And it's a lady here. She's got a, a rare brain tumour. Her name is Katie Barnes. She started having hearing problems and losing her balance two years ago. Now, I don't know if you've ever had this before, but I, many, many years ago, was coming out of work and I had my car parked there. And as I lifted up the bonnet, uh, the, the boot of the car, it hit me on the head. And I didn't think anything about it until I went home. And all of a sudden, in a matter of seconds, having got home, I lost my balance. I, every time I stood up, I felt sick. I mean, you know, to the point of, oh, God, I'm going to be sick. I really don't feel very well indeed. And it upset me completely. And she has exactly the same. She lost her balance. So she's got this rare brain tumour. And she was horrified when friends, family and customers began to sound robotic, like the Doctor Who villains, the Daleks. She said, I have a, a constant ringing in my left ear and everybody sounded like Daleks. I was terrified of them, a child. I used to hide under the bed. The only thing that was frightening, wasn't it? We all, and it was the black Dalek that was the leader of them, who was Stavros, I think. But uh, anyway, uh, the tumour is benign, luckily, but it's just on the edge of my brainstem, so it's going to be watched very closely. Unfortunately, everybody still sounds like a Dalek, but I'll just have to get used to that. So she's had this uh, radio surgery in January to stop the tumour from growing, but she's had to quit work and now needs a walking stick. 
poor soul, honestly. That's the worst, isn't it? That is the worst, when you lose, you start losing your faculties and you've got no, no knowledge of how, how it actually happens. We have no control about what goes on in our, our body. Uh, Tony says, your news item, forgot to mention people who can't get doctor's appointments, also put A&E under pressure, if not more than an ageing population. See, that I often hear tell of this every day on LBC. There'll always be somebody who writes in saying, I can't get a doctor's appointment, they've said it's got to be, you know, a few weeks' time. I said, I've never had any problem at all getting a doctor's appointment. Literally, my, 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 I mean, perhaps I'm just particularly lucky with having a particularly brilliant surgery where you go in there and if it's something urgent, they will make sure that somebody will, will see you because it's all based on appointments nowadays. And very good they are too. So I feel immensely sorry for those people who don't have that, that situation and have to go to A&E. And you can sit there for hours and hours and hours. Dreadful. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. I love all your texts and emails that come in. And uh, one here from somebody who's, who's called Craig, who's obviously got a pair of those shorts. I bet he's from Essex. I bet he's from, He looks like he's from Essex, actually. Wait a minute. Oh, no, he's Glasgow Rangers. <laughs> Not from Essex at all. I'm so sorry. Belfast, Northern Ireland, he is. Oh, dear, I'm so sorry. How rude of me to move you to Essex. It's much nicer where you come from. And, uh, and Jenny has repodcasted a lot of my uh, tweets. She says, I'm having a look at Gemporia. Teresa was last night. She said, I see what you mean. Yes, you have to watch <laughs> Gemporia. It's got the most dreadful presenters on it. Absolutely awful, I'm afraid. And, um, uh, and Pablo says, Steve, your, uh, your impersonation of Susan Boyle sounds remarkably like Lorraine Kelly. It's a bit cruel, isn't it? Most of my, most of my impressions sound the same. Yes, hello, I'm Susan Boyle. Hello, I'm Lorraine Kelly. <laughs> Doesn't sound at all like it, does it? And uh, Dale's up with us this morning. Nice to know when people actually uh, get up early. And uh, he's uh, censored in Korea, but living in Somerset. Bless. How sweet. How sweet. And gay as well. That's why I, I was horrified to hear Ollie Mann talking about what, uh, what Evan Davis was wearing the other day, where he was wearing, he said, a tight T-shirt and uh, jeans with his pants showing and saying, you know, can you, at the age of 52, wear an outfit like that? And I'm shouting into the radio, but he's gay. That's what a lot of gay men at 50... There, there is no age on the, uh, on the gay market at all. You know, 52 years old, you can wear stuff that, you know, kids of 18 are wearing. Is it OK for women to bonk their way to the top? It's uh, a feature by Katie Hopkins. And uh, to be honest with you, I mean, generally the rubbish she comes up with is almost laughable. But then she's asked other people about it, including Deirdre Sanders, the son agony aunt, and uh, Michelle Moan. Harmless flirting is fine, but draw a line. And then they've asked writer Samantha Thickaz, you know, the brick woman, and just too pretty to be going anywhere. No, you're not. No, you're not. She's had her day. She's finished. She's finished completely now. Most of them have, haven't they? I've noticed it's, it's, it's very interesting when you read some of the people who are still around. You think, God, I thought your career finished ages ago. Like we mentioned yesterday, Bianca Gascoigne. I seriously thought that she'd finished. I had no idea she was still hawking some tatty old story about. But, uh, but she still is. Uh, the British version of The X Factor has been screened outside the UK. Apparently, viewers in Thailand, Vietnam, Singapore, Indonesia, the Philippines and Thailand will be able to watch episodes. Why don't they make it in their own country? I would have thought, you know, they do sort of India's Got Talent, they do Indian X Factor, so why not doing all these other things? Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? And uh, Ian, relaxing with a beer in Seattle, he said, as one of your air crew listening whilst away, uh, can I just ask in regards to your holiday gift... What's so wrong with that? OK, it's, it, it's been used. OK, we don't want that again. Exit stage left. He said it's raining here at 60 degrees. 
well, it can't be, is it really? 60 degrees in Seattle. You see, I mean, that, that temperature, I just don't function in at all. I don't function in most temperatures. And, and people think I'm mad when I complain bitterly about the heat. And the, but it's the humidity that gets me. It really does. I mean, I'll, I'll water the hanging bar, and I'm going to do them when I get in this morning, because the sun will not be at its highest. Uh, Kevin, the milkman, says, um, I'm sort of, I'm slightly worried. All this talk of nudity is giving you ideas for your next Magic Circle show. If you think I'm going to be sitting in the stalls wearing nothing more than my glasses and a smile, you say, well, at least my belly could spare me my modesty these days. <laughs> you and me together. And, <laughs> but, uh, no, I don't know what, I, I suppose because, talk of nudity, because I keep thinking, oh, perhaps I should go to the beach. And then I think, why would I want to? Why would I want to? Um, somebody else has retweeted, Evan Davis at 52 years old has been pictured wearing ripped jeans and a baseball cap. Uh, when should men wear clothes suitable for their age? See, I think that is suitable for somebody's age. Obviously, not in, not in some people's eyes, though. But, I mean, you know, you wear what you feel most comfortable in. You don't want to dress out of your age group, do you? 5.30 is the time. Latest head- Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Uh, 60 degrees Fahrenheit, Steve, in Seattle. Not centigrade. Can you imagine? 60 degrees centigrade, double it and add 30. 150 degrees. You could cook eggs outside, couldn't you? Uh, bad news. I'm sorry to bring you bad news this morning. But if you've booked tickets for Anton Deck's Saturday night takeaway, um, they've announced who the celebrity guests are going to be. OK, and I'm, I'm, you might consider taking the tickets back. Because among some of the guests that they've booked for their Saturday night takeaway uh, will be Joey Essex, Peter Andre, Keith Lemon, Eamon Holmes and Vernon Kay. I think you should better get refunds based on that alone. I think just on the fact that Vernon Kay's there and you weren't warned about this. Uh, and the fact that Peter Andre's going to turn up. But then he will turn up for the opening of a fridge, won't he? Let's face it. And he's not exactly being rushed off his feet at the moment. Uh, Peter Andre's 16-minute uh, makeover, which takes him a week. But then Peter does wear dungarees better than anybody else can. And he's learning. He's learned how to use a paintbrush. You hold it in your hand and, you, and he's, he can do that. And he can pronounce his own name now, so he's getting better. Joey Essex just stand there and grin like a complete idiot. And, uh, and Keith Lemon will just be uh, the pain that he is, I'm afraid. But the idea of bringing on Eamon Holmes... I mean, don't you think an ma- old man of that age wants to stay in a bit more? I mean, go- stay in with the lovely Ruth, for goodness sake. Don't go out all the time. He started whispering on this morning. He obviously thinks that sort of covers up for the fact that he's practically comatose at the moment. So, don't tell you... Sometimes I have to turn the volume. I can't understand a word he's saying at the moment. But isn't that a dreadful line-up? Peter Andre and Joey Essex in the... Oh, God. Oh, dear. Doesn't even bear thinking about it, I'm afraid. I feel quite, feel quite ill with it. Uh, front page of the Metro today. Uh, as, as nobody sort of really covered the Commonwealth Games, they just had, you know, what was going to be happening. It's uh, the baby son of Peaches Geldof left alone for up to 17 hours as she died of a heroin overdose. Uh, a piece of television history, the home where Gavin and Stacey was filmed... It's on sale for 125,000. 13,000 people have visited already. Isn't that fantastic? Absolutely love it. Um, Susan Boyle was there. John Barrowman got the party started, as indeed he can. And, uh, and the Queen looked fantastic, and everybody was very, very happy. I'm totally convinced now, actually. Oh, it's so funny yesterday. Cheryl Fernandez Vecini, otherwise known as Cheryl Cole, and she will always be Cheryl Cole, uh, uh, launching her perfume, Stormflower 
in London yesterday, interviewed by some bloke who said, How, how's marriage going? She went, it's fantastic. I thought, this isn't her first one, this is her second one. She's on her second marriage. I think she said after the first time, oh, it's going really well. So wait for her to say it about a third and a fourth time. But she launched her perfume, Storm. Who buys this stuff? Who buys it? Not, not any normal women. It must be aimed at the 12, 13-year-old market. Because normal women have got perfume that they've been using for years and years. And they would always have it. They wouldn't sort of go out and buy this kind of celebrity perfume, which is ridiculous. Uh, who's this? It's, uh, it's Snoop Dogg who may have left Barack Obama fuming after he confessed to smoking drugs in the White House. Oh, dear. And uh, neck nomination idiot, ordered to pay £800 for downing a goldfish. Jack Blowers was sober when he bought the fish, put them in a pint-sized aquarium, consisting of a glass lined with gravel, and then he swallowed them on camera. I mean, to be honest with you, he said it was a stupid prank, which has cost me a lot of money. Well, you're quite clearly a very stupid person, aren't you? I mean, what an idiot. It comes from Lowestoft in Suffolk. He admitted charges of failing to protect the fish from suffering and failing to meeting their needs. I mean, admittedly, it is a goldfish, OK? I wasn't actually aware that goldfish could go to court, but the RSPCA did it. I mean, the man's an idiot. He looks like an idiot. He behaved like an idiot, and he's paid £800. I'd have fined him a 1000 you know, and just round it off. I just can't quite understand why somebody like him would he... I mean, he's just too stupid for words, isn't he? Um, other stories in the paper today. This is... Um, Nicola Roberts, if she was a peri-peri sauce, they say, she'd be extra, extra hot. Why? You won't believe this. She's modelling for... Somebody exotic? No, Nando's. She's modelling for Nando's. That's that best you can get, poor old Nicola. No boyfriend, no decent job in sight, I'm afraid. So now she's sizzled in a poster ad for the Chicken House, house which has launched its first at uh, Gatwick Airport. Oh, God. Oh, well, she's also got her... Um, She's got lots of other things. She was wearing an air hostess outfit. The Beat of My Drum Beauty. What's The Beat of My Drum? Is that a title of one of her singles or something? Very bizarre. But that's... Never mind. At least you've got something, Nicola. Saves you sitting at home, doesn't it? Waiting for the next Girls Aloud reunion, which I don't think is on the cards at all. Mel B is upping the style wars ahead of her X Factor date with old Fernandez Vecini. Uh, she turned up for a turn on the late show, oozing with confidence. Yeah, Cheryl can't do that. She doesn't actually ooze with confidence. She just sits there and smiles. Why, eh? Because I'm worth it. Here's my perfume. Stormflower. What is it? I don't know. It's perfume. Splash it round places. <laughs> and uh, and uh, other stories in the paper. I don't know. They seem to have disappeared in the, uh, in the metro with... Um, or dispensed with Neil Sean's very weak, lacklustre, so-called celebrity, really out of date um, stuff here. What's this one here? I saw somebody actually who dismantled a bus stop the other day. We're going over Waterloo Bridge, and the bus stop there has been smashed into pieces. It was only a temporary bus stop. They they just used it uh, because they're doing something with the other bus stop, and so they've uh, they've sort of smashed it. Uh, more on the Tartan Games, Rod Stewart. I mean, he just looks absolutely fantastic for his age, doesn't he? Just absolutely amazing, and obviously everybody loved him, loved him, and they had an inflatable Nessie, and all sorts of other things. The the chicken story shows no sign of going away anytime soon. Peach's heroin overdose was ten times bigger than the one that killed her mother, Paula, because apparently she was using uh, pure heroin, practically pure heroin. I would have thought that was a, a killer in itself, but the police said the death was unexplained, and yet there were 80 syringes and burnt spoons in the house. I don't quite understand that one. And I make very sexy shoes, not comfy shoes, says uh, Christian Labouton designer of these sky-high heels. He's admitted what many have long known. He doesn't make them with comfort in mind. He's looking for fashion, and people want to buy fashion. 
Tears of a Queen as the first victims are finally fo- flown home, the victims of flight MH17, who arrived back yesterday, and there was a, a convoy taking the 40 caskets to the barracks, and there's still 240 more bodies to, uh, to come home. The councils now, how much do they make from parking? It's, it's big business now, councils around the country. £665 million every year is made by local councils through parking. And it does seem, doesn't it, that the motorists, you and I, are penalised. You can't park anywhere nowadays. Hardly any parking in Twickenham. So people park illegally and then sort of chance it with, with the traffic wardens. But what with all the cameras they're bringing in, you can't get away with anything nowadays. It really, it, it really is terribly difficult. I mean, last summer, Barnet Council, uh, the High Court found out that they'd been unlawfully raising revenue when it increased the cost of parking permits from forty to hundred pounds and vouchers for visitors from a pound to four pounds. I mean, and because it, because motorists are the easy target, you're very easy to actually, you know, because they say if you want to park, it's what you pay. When I paid the other day to park in Covent Garden, sixteen pounds it was for four hours, sixteen pounds. You can't make, I wouldn't mind if I was actually being able to take the road away with me, but, uh, but I wasn't. I just sort of got to park temporarily in this, in this little place. Uh, I was swimming in the sea in Lime Bay in Dorset, positively balmy. They reckon the sea temperature is above average due to the mild winter. I wouldn't actually, I wouldn't actually go um, and swim in the sea. I can't swim in the sea. I think because it, the water's a bit too salty. And also, you don't know what's in there, do you? I mean, it's a lot of seaweed and bits floating around. Absolutely hate it. Uh, the creator of the, uh, the Daleks was Davros, which is a black one, the leader of the cult of Scaro, says Simon and Essex. Oh, right. You see, I don't know anything about Doctor Who. I just remember the Cybermen. There were some swamp creatures. There were different doctors. And I wanted to talk to John Hurt, who was going to be coming in today, but he's not coming in because he's cancelled all his interviews. But I have got Sinead O'Connor next week. Now, between you, me and the gatepost, I don't normally panic over interviews that I've got. In fact, I, don't, I, 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 I approach them all with the, same, with the same thought in mind. Let's get as, as good out of this person as you possibly can. But I've watched a few of her recent interviews, and I thought to myself, I hope she's going to be in a good mood. Now, whether or not radio interviews turn out better than television interviews, I don't know. So uh, I've sort of I, I know which way I'm going to approach this one. You know, I'm not going to be doing a, a frothy type interview with her. I'm going to be doing sort of a you know quite a serious, based on the fact she's a musician, and based on the fact that she takes her music very seriously, and that that I think is going to endear me to her. I think she's going to end up absolutely, and I might bring in a packet of sweets as well. I think she might, I might bring in some sherbet dib dabs because I think she might go for sherbet dib dabs. I think that that could be my winning formula. But, uh, you know, some people, if they're wary of journalists, if they're wary of interviews, they always think that they're going to be stitched up. But, of course, you would never do that to anybody because you'd never get the best interview. So the interview you're going to hear this week with Michelle Moan is very interesting because halfway through, she tells me that she sussed me out. She tells me she sussed me out. I'm I'm not going to spoil any of the interview for you, but she guesses my age. She guesses my... Wrongly. She... she, she, uh, What? Sorry? 39? Yeah, 39, exactly. Well, she put me a bit higher than 39, which was slightly disturbing. Yeah, well, she went a bit higher than 40. But anyway, so we had this nice chat, and we got on really well. I liked her. I liked her. I was, a, I was slightly wary of her when I went in there, because I'd heard of her reputation. But then I've, I've come to the conclusion that, you know, people go out their way. If, if people treat them with, with kid gloves, then people will play up to it. You know, I do it in here. I come in here and I say to the boys, I say, OK, I want a cup of coffee. I want it at this particular temperature. 
and I want the cup to have been literally handcrafted by virgin monks. You know, I don't want anything. And so they, they get that. And then I ask for water because I forgot to bring in a bottle of water. So they go to the well and, uh, and they bring the water back. Everybody makes demands, don't they? I don't have a rider on the programme as such. But I should imagine if Sinead O'Connor had one, it would be that people just asked her normal questions as opposed to some of the dumb questions all the time. So let's wait and see how we go, shall we? But this weekend, it's Ian McShane, Lovejoy himself, looking fantastic in the new film Hercules. We'll have a clip tomorrow. And Michelle Moan, who's talking about setting up your own business. This is going to be one of those definitive programmes because she set up her own business. She risked the money. She got people to put money into it. She knew what she wanted to do. And so if you're one of those people, and there's a competition that goes along with it as well, which runs, I think, until September, whereby you can you can win money to set up your own business. And she's offering advice to people. She can mentor people, mentor them, on exactly how you set up a business. Because most people now say, what do you think the top business is that people set up by themselves? What's the top business? What would you think? If somebody was setting up, they would want to set up... No, not no. It's, what what sort of business? No, not no, not ice cream. No, what what? <laughs> a sari business. <laughs> Sarongs are us, you know. Coffee. No, well, a, a cafe. The top business that people want to set up is, is cafe. Ice cream is in there, but it's a bit low down the list. But most people want to set up a cafe because they think it's easy. Or failing that, bed and breakfast. Now, I would have thought bed and breakfast was one of the most demanding businesses that you could you could ever go into. You're at somebody's beck and call. I've seen four in a bed on the television. I know exactly how difficult it is and how how fastidious we've all become. I've never been into a hotel room yet and ran my finger around the back of the pictures and stuff like that. I might start having seen this. I might start having seen the programme. But uh, checking the shower, I just like to make sure the place looks clean. But I've never actually thought about taking the sheets off the bed and looking at the mattress to see see how badly it is underneath. And some of these places are awful. So Michelle Moan this Friday is actually is actually offering great advice on setting up a business. And you will find it invaluable. If you're thinking of doing it and you want to go in for the competition, then you'll have to be with us on Sunday morning. Sunday morning between 5 and 6, repeated Sunday evening between 9 and 10. And so that's uh, Michelle Moan and Ian McShane. Quick time check. It's quarter to six. Morning, everybody. 12 minutes to six. Weather for today. I know you're desperate to find out whether or not it's going to be another hot one. I can uh, almost guarantee it's going to be another one of those those scorchy things. Oh, wait a minute. Having, having said that, I don't even have the weather, actually, which is a bit of a shame. Perhaps, they, perhaps they've given up in the in the weather department. Let's find out whether we've got it here. No, we don't have the weather. The weather is vanished. I will bring it to you, I promise you, as soon as it's arrived. And it must be floating around somewhere, but it hasn't uh, floated around here yet. You get them to send the weather down, Sam. Is it there now? All oh, right. Another hot and sunny... Oh, God, it's another one of those hot and sunny days. How boring. I can always tell. I look at the building out of the back window, because somebody said to me, which, which part of Leicester Square are you looking at? None of it. I'm looking out over the, uh, the back. I'm looking out o- over the Garrick Theatre. I should have a big hand waving in the window, I think. Nobody goes past knows where we are. But anyway, so I've got the big white stucco building and the sun is just about to hit it, which means it's going to be another hot, sunny day with a few light winds expected. I don't mind the light wind. I can cope with the light wind as long as it's not the boiling hot sunshine. High today, 27 degrees. Currently, 18, 19. Tonight, mostly clear. Although mist and low cloud may return after midnight, light winds. Tomorrow, mist and low cloud disappearing. And uh, another fine sunny day. However, Sunday to Monday, cloudy, 
Scattered thundery showers possible. Sunday, cloud thickening. Showery rain in the afternoon. Monday, cloud and rain slowly moving eastwards. So it's still going to be hot. It just means you're going to get the rain and you're going to get the thunderstorms that we had before. But today, uh, this, uh, this low cloud will clear for you and leave you with a nice sunny day. And, of course, the brilliant thing is that the trains are practically empty because all the little kiddiewinks are on holiday. So hopefully they're away. And, in fact, it's noticeable that the trains are actually much emptier than they have been for ages. It makes such a difference when the kids are not there. The roads are a little bit quieter. And so all the mums and dads are now going, great, we've packed the kids off. Some of them have gone to summer camp. Some have gone off to relatives. Some have gone here. Some have gone there. Anything to sort of keep, keep the kids, you know, occupied during the summer holidays, which go on, I think, until about the 6th of September. So they've got quite a long while with these holidays. What to do with them? What to do? If you're one of those parents who doesn't have very much money and you're trying to think of ways of keeping them entertained, go on to Google and type in your area and with for free. So, in other words, you know, Glasgow for free. Edinburgh for free, Manchester, Paul, for free. There's loads of things that you can do. London for free. There's tons of stuff that you can do. And because if they're under a certain age, they get on the buses for free. They can go around and they can explore the capital. They can do the museums. There's some great museums. The Bethnal Green Museum of Childhood is fantastic. They can go into the, uh, the main bit of the Imperial War Museum, and that's for free. It's only special exhibitions which you have to pay for. The V&A is fantastic. The Science Museum is an absolute godsend for children. And my advice is, and it's only because when I drove in on... Was it... Or drove out on Sunday. Was it Sunday? Yes, Sunday. The queues for the Natural History Museum are astronomical. And you may think... If you're a... Because this this will not... Tourists will never know this one. This is for you Londoners and for people who are going to the Natural History Museum. When you see the big queue outside the front door, okay, that's for people queuing to get in because it takes a long time. And it can take anything up to about 40 minutes to an hour to get in. Here is the advice. Don't queue at the front door of the Natural History Museum. Go round the side into Exhibition Road and go in through the Geology Museum. Because that links into the History Museum. So, in other words, there's never any queues at the Geology Museum. OK, that's, my, that's for Londoners to go. No, for, Don't tell people. Don't tell them, because otherwise they'll all know about it. And there'll be queues at the Geology Museum. So you go round into Exhibition Road. The Geology Museum is the first one on the left-hand side as you go round. So you've gone past the, the butterfly bit, which they've now moved into the Natural History Museum, which is great. Just remember not to take any out with you, OK? Because that's quite difficult. I wish they had people in there checking to make sure that everybody goes out without butterflies on, because they must be losing a few. And so you go in through the Geology Museum, and it's a straight in, and then you can go up and across, and you're in the Natural History Museum. No standing outside for an hour in this hot sunshine. There you go. That's another helpful little handy tip for you today. Because I know a lot of parents will be sort of saying to the kids, right, let's go to a museum. And most kids go, not a museum. But they love the natural history, so you go in through the geology museum. And then if you really want a great museum as well, the science museum is fantastic. Especially if they've got some of the engines working in the middle. If you want to educate them, then it's the Imperial War Museum, which is fantastic. I mean, really, very moving very, very interesting. Very, very good museum. Beautifully laid out. The other one which I love is the Museum of London. A bit of a nightmare to get to. Probably take a bus to the Barbican. That would be better. And then go into the Museum of London. Again, which is fantastic. It's a great museum and that's got the history of London laid out. It's got all sorts of things in there. Shop fronts, shops that you can go into. It's really good. Good, good museum. And they've all got much better gift shops, much better uh, canteens and cafeterias than they ever had. V&A is, is good. Very, very good. And I'm hoping it's still the same people who've got the Imperial War Museum, because their food was stunning. 
I mean, really good. Everything from a sandwich up to up to hot food. The paracetamol story makes all the papers today. Uh, research has cast doubt on the most popular GP remedy. If in doubt, paracetamol. And they say it's the most widely recommended by doctors for lower back pain, which is just, you know, in the small of your back, just above your bottom. That's, and you go, oh, God. you see people, oh, it's awful. And people really suffer. And so now what they've said, I mean, even the NH Choices website advised patients to take it. But now what they're saying is uh, they carried out a survey of 1,652 people with acute lower back pain in Sydney. And the volunteers, all at an average age of 45, were divided into three groups. One group received regular doses of paracetamol three times a day for up to four weeks. They were given another 3.9 milligrams a day. Another group received up to four milligrams a day of paracetamol when required. And the third were given a placebo, which is a dummy pill, generally sugar pill. The study found little difference in the number of days it took to recover between the treatment groups with the placebo group having an average recovery time of 16 days a day faster than the other two groups. <laughs> Either way, it blooming hurts. It blooming hurts. You feel as though you're going to fall off your hips. It's not not pleasant. I mean, in, in 2011, the NHS spent £61 million on paracetamol prescriptions for GP's patients. I thought people just went out and bought paracetamol. People put it on prescription, do they now? Why would you do that? Much, much cheaper to go and buy it. You can buy paracetamol everywhere. You can probably buy it in Poundland, I should imagine. Um, Jan says, I have a friend from Poole. Who's, that's Poole in Dorset, which is very pretty. Coming to stay for a couple of days. Any ideas of recommendations where in London? Only thing I've planned so far is the boat from Westminster to Greenwich. Um, that's, that's a nice one. And that is a day. That is a, I'll tell you why that's a, de- that, that's a nice one. The boat from, from Westminster Pier to Greenwich is because you can have a cup of tea on the boat. I must be at that age now where a cup of tea suffices for me. You know, I'm not interested in alcohol. And you sit there and you watch the world go by. And if you're lucky enough to get one of those boats where you can sit on the top outdoors, even better. But they're few and far between, I'm afraid. So generally you're sitting indoors. And sometimes when the boat puts, you can feel the engine roar underneath you. That, that's great. Then you go down to Greenwich. Check before you go down to Greenwich that everything is open down there. Uh, the Cutty Sark, we didn't rate very highly, I'm afraid. I know people do. It just didn't do it for me because it was only a tea clipper. I, if I was going to go and look at ships, I'd want to see Victory. I'd want to see the Mary Rose. I'd want to see some good stuff like that. Uh, HMS Belfast, always a good thing to do. Well, failing that, i tell you what's really nice, just to walk along the embankment. And if you walk along from Westminster Pier, you can go all the way up to Blackfriars Bridge. But just before you get to Blackfriars Bridge, look over to the left-hand side... And there is some most fabulous properties along there. Also the best gardens. And you can walk up through them and it's where all the barristers are and the wigged people. And that's worth doing. That's well worth doing. Because that's like going back into Dickens time. Same way as you go along Fleet Street and you can go on the... You go past the law courts on the left-hand side. Just as you get to the traffic lights where you turn left to go up to the silver vaults. On the right-hand side there's two big doors. Go through there and you're back in Dickens London. It is, it's as if somebody's waved a magic wand and put a film set in there. It's, and you could walk through there and walk down to the bottom. It's absolutely amazing. That's, that's a good one. Uh, and a date for the Magic Circle show? We do have a date for the Magic Circle show. It's not confirmed yet. I'll let you know on my, uh, on my Twitter feed. It's a different day this year because uh, it's always very good. And uh, you're back at Croydon Hospital with Jangles, are you again? And uh, she said, Sinead O'Connor, that'll be interesting. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. (laughs) It's the only one 
that's, that's made me think about it. Normally, I, I don't, as I say, think about the interviews because they're always, they're always lovely people. We haven't had any, well, we've had one in the years. Only one person who's been sort of an absolute pain. And you all know who that was. That was, uh, that was Yul Brynner's son. <gasps> Dear me. What a nightmare. Anyway, that was a long, long time ago, and luckily he's been erased. Well, he hasn't really, because I'm still talking about him. So it's, uh, it's an interesting fact that most people are saying about Sinead O'Connor. Ooh, that'll be a good one to hear. Yes, you wait till you hear Michelle moan. She's very feisty. She's very, very feisty. I like that. Uh, Melissa Kite is writing in the mail today, who hates... She hates arrogant dog owners who can't keep their mutts under control. And uh, some people are just bad with dogs. And I don't know why, when we go walking in Regent's Park on a Sunday, uh, you do get dogs, sometimes little dogs that bounce over. And some dogs aren't used to that. They don't like other dogs bouncing over. And it's led to, a, you know, a couple of little sort of confrontational bits where owners seem to be blissfully unaware of what, of what their dogs are doing. They, they just seem to let them off the lead and then they sort of go running around and they, you, think, you feel like saying to them, in fact, we actually got, uh, got shouted at about a couple of months ago. Someone said, excuse me, your dog is just, um, and you need to go and pick it up. Because uh, that means you're not a responsible dog owner if you don't go and clean up the mess afterwards. And you have to do that. You have to do it. But uh, it's interesting when you look at some people who just seem to be oblivious to what their dogs... Oh, you're back again. Heavens above, what, I thought you went. Now, you've, now you're back again. What's, uh, what now? You're not allowed to go out of the building in daylight. You're going to turn to stone, aren't you? Something's going to happen. You're going to get out there and go... It's going to be frozen in time, like a scene from a Hollywood movie. Um, a record 80% of older people own a home. This is after the other day, I told you on LBC, that only 3% of younger people own property. You know why? They can't save up for the deposit. Plenty more to come on your Thursday early morning breakfast show. I'm here till 6.30, then Lisa Aziz with the morning news, and then Andrew Pearce standing in for Nick Ferrari at breakfast. I'll go through all the papers. I'll tell you what the front pages are saying as you wake up. Mirror reporting that Peaches Geldof's youngest son may have been alone with her body for 17 hours on the day she died in April. Sun and the Metro also lead with the results from the Peaches Geldof inquest. The Express have a health story on the front page as it reports a single jab could be all you need to fight arthritis. And the Telegraph features a large picture of the Loch Ness Monster which featured in the opening ceremony of the Commonwealth Games which are taking place in Glasgow this year. And what a ceremony it was. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. All of that and more is next. On FM, online, on your mobile and on digital radio. Leading Britain's conversation, this is... This is LBC, Leading Britain's Conversation, with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Welcome along to Thursday morning on LBC. If you have just joined us, it's going to be another hot, scorchy day where you're going to be going, oh, will it never rain? The answer is yes, it will. And it's going to be over the weekend, by the look of it. Uh, lots of stories today in the papers. They've covered the Commonwealth Games. I've yet to see, and I shall have to find it on YouTube, Susan Boyle doing her appearance at the Commonwealth Games. Because judging by what you've been telling me, it's apparently it bears, a, bears another good look. Peaches Geldof. Her son may have been left alone with her body for 17 hours on the day she died in April. She is the front page of every single newspaper this morning. We'll go through those in a moment, because it's LBC. 
And all those nice people at Tesco who won £3.7 million on the lottery. And it's only because uh, a seagull decided to uh, do one of its little businesses. And this woman said, that's a good omen. If a seagull does a little bit of business on you, that means you're going to win the lottery. I shall be standing in Leicester Square later on, willing every pigeon under the sun. <laughs> Come land on me, please. Come land on me. Uh, it is Peaches Geldof. Uh, the heroine kept in a sweetie box. She'd been on methadone for, I think, two and a half years. And then she went back on to heroin again. And she went on to what was practically pure heroin. And that, I'm afraid, is the killer. That is the big shame. Uh, she'd been dead for, for hours and hours. And uh, I, I think her husband was away at that uh, particular moment. Her baby was in the house. I mean, to do that with a child in the house would show... I don't know, just sort of something so crass you can't even believe it. But then if somebody is addicted to it, perhaps she didn't know that she was going to die. Perhaps she didn't realise that it was so pure. Perhaps she didn't think about the fact that the the baby was there. But that would have been my first priority. First priority. Um, lots of pictures of the of the games. Lots of pictures of very happy. Even Billy Connolly was there. Looking fantastic with Pamela Stevenson and uh, Prince Charles. I uh, was there having a laugh with people. He likes his, his crumpled old white suit, does Prince Charles. But uh, it was uh, Rod Stewart who looked absolutely fantastic. 40,000 sports fans uh, were in the stadium. Holiday prices, much cheaper. Perhaps that's why all the trains are empty at the moment. Everybody going away, everybody enjoying themselves. So millions of family heading abroad will see their money go further. Resort prices slashed by up to a third. Travellers will also benefit. Strong pound rocketed by up to 10% against the euro over the past 12 months. And uh, so now the US dollar has plunged to a five-year low against the pound. Tourists get an extra $97.50 or £59 for every £500 changed. It's not bad, is it? Not bad at all. So uh, good news for us. Good news. Unfortunately, the bad news is we pay the highest airline taxes in the world. UK travellers pay between 13 and £91 each per flight, <coughs> Excuse me, depending on the route and the distance of the journey. I never think about that. I really, the only thing that gets me every time, for my, in my, my particular grief uh, every time, is blasted travel insurance. <laughs> my travel insurance costs a small fortune. And it's only because I'm diabetic, and they go, oh, well, travel insurance from £32 for this. No, not for me. It's in the region of a couple of hundred pounds. Thank you very much indeed. So you've got stents in how many? Oh, God, that's bumped it up, hasn't it? And uh, diabetic, uh, just tablet, no insulin. Oh, my God, fathers, here we go. It's, it's all so they're, they're covered in case you fall ill on a flight, which I've never done. Uh, I never get drunk on flights. <clears throat> I never do anything like that at all. But for some reason, you're penalised. And so if you've got a... Uh, an illness, a disability, then you pay through the nose. I wish I could find one of these travel insurance companies that sort of goes, well, you, you've been fine for ages. Your doctor says you're OK. But, uh, so we'll sort of only charge you 50 quid. I'd be more than happy with that. Uh, Dora Bryan died, the veteran comedy actress. What a lovely person. What a lovely, lovely person. I remember bumping into her years and years ago. I never interviewed her, but I bumped into her somewhere. And uh, she was in a, Oh, you work for LBC. Oh, I love LBC. And her, uh, her son used to listen to LBC as well. She died... At a nursing home in Hove, in Sussex, with her sons, Daniel and uh, William Lawton, at her bedside. Tiny woman, but her constitution was incredible, said Daniel. She was. I mean, absolutely. She just made you laugh. She started her acting debut at the age of 12. She was born in Lancashire. She was in Carry On Sergeant, the great St Trinian's train robbery. Uh, but it was the, the BAFTA she got for a taste of honey. Recent TV roles. She was in Last of the Summer Wine. And as June Whitfield's friend. <laughs> 
friend in Absolutely Fabulous. And I only laugh because I, I was when somebody said she was in Absolutely Fabulous, I would say, of course she was. She was the one because she was so fit. Even at the age of 80-something, she could still do the split, she could do the high kicks, all that kind of stuff. She got an OBE in 1996. She retired ten years later after battling short-term memory loss. Her husband, cricketer Bill Lawton, died from Alzheimer's in 2008. Lionel Blair said on Twitter, so very sad to hear of the passing of my good friend Dora Bryan. She was wonderful. I think everybody would agree that she was absolutely a wonderful person. But if you want to get a taste of honey, you can buy it on Amazon. It's not an expensive film, and it's a piece of, uh, piece of history. Great woman. Great, great woman. 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. More of your uh, texts and emails coming in. Uh, somebody said, seawater is good for you to go for a swim. I don't know. I, just, I used to swim all the time. I used to, I mean, you know, I'm not a particularly good swimmer. Where I can splash around with the best of them. And, and I, I sort of think to myself, should I go? No, I don't want to swim in the sea where everybody else has swum. And fish and whales have been and sharks and things like that. I just, I just don't like it. I'd rather paddle around in the shower, to be honest with you. Uh, Steve Parking, I got stung at Heathrow the other day. Three pounds, half an hour. About average. About average at Heathrow. You were in the right car park, weren't you? You know there is long-term and short-term car park. If you go short-term car park, my God, you pay through the nose for it. Long-term is a little bit, little bit better. Uh, one here. The Wallace Collection is free and great. Yes, I would always recommend the, the Wallace connection, the, uh, Collection there. I've recommended that in the past. They've got the uh, picture of the Laughing Cavalier. They've got canalettos on the walls. And there's no sort of electronic barriers. It's just a great museum. Great collection. Great collection. This was the, uh, the family's treasure trove in London. They collected everything. Oh, dear. It's, it's, it almost rivals some of the main museums. It's lovely. And they've got a very posh cafe in the middle as well, so that, that's well worth going to. So there's all, loads of things you can do for free in London. You know, things which appeal to adults, things which appeal to, uh, to young people. I've always liked the Bethnal Green Museum of Childhood. Uh, I don't recommend it for adults, and the reason I say that, not because there's anything the matter with it, it's because it depresses you to think that you'll know half of the things in there, and you think, but wait a minute, this is in my lifetime. <laughs> now they're in a museum. Makes you feel a little bit, a uh, little bit old, I'm afraid. Uh, Dom says I'm listening in my hot tub, cool water settings. Cool water settings. I didn't know there was such a thing. Uh, eight for eight five zero. Here's uh, how to see a GP. Only for an abject agony with your earache, toothache, or pancreas. You sit on the curb outside the surgery, bawling in your tattiest dressing gown. Do you think that would work? I have no problem at all getting appointments. I feel really sorry for people that can't get appointments. And I wouldn't want... I've sat in A&E. Oh, thankless, that is. Thankless. Uh, have you been to the Hunterian Museum at the Royal College of Surgeons? Bit gory, but fascinating. And free, says Patrick. Right. Yes, I agree with that one. Uh, Penny says, uh, I'm listening to Steve Allen on LBC. Straight to the point, you know. No pandering to so-called celebs. We don't do pandering to celebs, I'm afraid, on this programme. We feature uh, celebs quite a lot. But we we don't pander to them. I don't think that, you know, anybody who actually thinks that they're a celebrity, and I've been asking all my guests over the past few weeks, uh, you know, do you think you're a celebrity? Do you see yourself as a celebrity? And 99% of them said, no, no, I'm just a working person. You know, you happen to become a celebrity through the nature of your work. I mean, I'm not a celebrity, I'm a presenter. But there might be other presenters on this, uh, or in this building, who might think that they're celebrities, I'm not one of them. I'm just a, I'm just a presenter. 
just a presenter. <laughs> uh, 84850. Uh, Steve, the Speakman's cured a woman of her fear of sharks in the sea. Give him a call. Oh, I watched a bit of them yesterday. Aren't they? They just, to me, it comes over as a load of old mumbo-jumbo. It's a load of old rubbish. It really, I don't like them at all. I really don't like them. Really don't like them. Uh, I must remind you as well, again, of that film on Tulisa, made by uh, our friend Jonathan Levi. And that airs on Monday on BBC Three. They followed her for a year. Uh, This was uh, when it was announced she was going to court. And they followed her and they filmed her. So it's going to be very revealing. He's going to turn up, I think Jonathan is on uh, Monday on Good Morning Britain, talking about it. So that'll be that'll be interesting. <laughs> I hope they don't mention me on it. Anyway, so that'll be airing on Monday evening, I think, at about ten o'clock. So if you want to know the truth behind what she was going through throughout the trial, this will be on the documentary. And of course, Jonathan, uh, who made all the documentaries with Peaches Geldof, as well. So he's the man in the know. Quick time check: quarter past six. <laughs> Andrew Pearce this morning at seven. In the light of the cases of Rolf Harris and Jimmy Savile, police are now struggling to keep up with the number of child abuse cases. Find out why and what needs to happen to make sure nothing gets missed ever again. Plus, patients will have to get used to waiting at A&E because services now are too pressured to cope with the demand. But how long have you had to wait? You can tell Andrew Pearce this morning. And after an inquest found that Peaches Geldof died of a heroin overdose, Andrew will be asking if you could ever live a normal life on drugs. Looking at the papers this morning, Sheila Fogarty, the broadcaster, will be in the studio. Actually, there's a lovely picture of, uh, of Jonathan Levi, who made the Talisa programme, in the, uh, in the Mail Online today. This is obviously Talisa going into court with her assistant, and Jonathan Levi is directly behind. So there you go. So uh, just in case you hadn't seen that, Jonathan, it's there in, uh, in Mail Online. Uh, quickly, we will do the front pages. There's another snake which has escaped. Remember the other day we had a story on LBC of uh, two eight... I think they were eight-foot uh, boa constrictors that were found in a children's playground. Well, now this one escaped from a, a rep, uh, from a private house in Skelmersdale on Tuesday evening. Boa constrictors are not venomous and they're not usually aggressive... But there is the potential of risk to tall children, the snake wrapping around them to keep warm. Okay, and remember, these are constrictors because they constrict. Okay, they think it uh, may have gone to ground to find somewhere to sleep, but there are fears it could come up in the drain in one of the neighbours' homes or it could be in an attic. Oh, my God, fathers, can you imagine? You live in Skelmersdale, listening to this programme at the moment, you'll be going, I think we're going to move. I don't want to hear... This one, incidentally, is eight foot long. It's a boa constrictor. I mean, I, I just warn you now because that you know snakes do pop up in all sorts of places. They could quite easily be sitting at the bottom of a loo, you know. In the it could coil itself up. It only got to have the head sitting out of the water. The rest of it could keep cool, and that's what it will want to do in weather like this. It's not going to want to be going anywhere else. It could be looking for all sorts of. But it's eight foot long. Goodness sake, this isn't your average size little sort of garden tiddler thing. This is an eight foot. Eight-foot boa constrictor. It's a fear of God into me. Uh, what else we got in the papers for today? Oh, the square egg uh, thing is all over. But I'm, the more I read about it, the more I don't really want to buy one. I, I wanted to buy one before because I thought it actually made square eggs. And all it is, it's a little machine where you cook the egg, uh, you boil it, and then you take the uh, flesh off. It's, you know, if you want to make eggy sandwiches. It's the only thing they don't make. In the supermarket, they make everything else, don't they? But you never go out to a supermarket and discover sliced egg. So that you can put that directly into a sandwich, because I love sliced uh, egg and and mayonnaise sandwiches, or salad cream sandwiches. Egg and salad cream, very popular. So this little gadget, you cook the egg, 
take it out, take the shell off, so while it's still pliable, push it into this little box, turn the lid, and it will squash it down so it becomes square, and you presumably leave it in there for a, for a few minutes. And, and then, and when you take it out, and it's called egg, egg cuba, egg cuba, oh right, okay, and, uh, and people like it. Although, why it has to be square to go in sandwiches, I don't know. I would have thought it just a boiled egg full stop. But you can't buy boiled eggs, can you? I wonder why. Odd that one. Anyway, and um, the, the person who invented it said that buyers were sceptical at first, but soon found out that their friends all wanted one. So they go, where would you get that? Where would you get square eggs from? You buy this little gadget, costs you a fiver, and then you just slice the egg afterwards and it becomes square and you can put it in a sandwich. So if you're doing it in quarters, everybody gets a piece of egg in there, which is quite... But it would be exactly the same if it was round, wouldn't it? It wouldn't actually make any difference. I found you a little flat. If, you, if you're looking to move into town at the moment, here in London, uh, for the same price, incidentally, you could get a four-bedroom family home in Windsor in Berkshire, where the Queen could be your neighbour. But here it is. It's in Posh Mayfair. And it's renting out this flat, and it, 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 uh, to be honest with you, it does look quite nice. It's in one of the poshest addresses. It's got uh, Louis Vuitton-style cupboards, and it's one of the smallest homes. It rents for £2,700. But it looks like it's worth £2,700. It's in maybe £36,000 a year. Designed to look like a chic West End bar or club. Wall mirrors, metallic gold-edge cocktail bar. The bar doubles up as a breakfast and dining area, and concealed in it are the kitchen equipment and cupboards. Living area, double sofa bed, doors open to a private terrace. The flat is smaller than most of the other things around there, but it will no doubt rent in a matter of minutes. Everybody will be going, we want to live there. £2,700, and it can be yours. I reckon by the time we've actually done this programme, it'll, it'll have gone straight away. And I'll say, wish we put it on for 4000 Because, you know, for people working in the city, to get this place in the middle of Mayfair... It's not bad. New documentary going behind the scenes of London's most exclusive jewellery quarter, which is Hatton Garden. And it's an interesting area of London. It used to be just down the road uh, from, uh, from us when we were in Fleet Street a long time ago. And that's where people go to buy their jewellery. Uh, a postman has quit his job in disgrace after sneaking into a house on his morning rounds and using the phone to make an X-rated chat line, a sex chat line. Paul Buswell who was delivering parcels, led himself into the property and made a three-minute call while the owner was talking in the greenhouse. How bizarre. Anyway, he's had to, he's had to quit. Uh, shortly afterwards, the husband and wife saw him walking quickly down their drive and then noticed their landline handset was missing. They found it outside the front of the house, redialed the last number call to be horrified when a husky-voiced 0909 premium-rate sex chat line operator answered. Anyway, he appeared at... Matt, they obviously went to the police over it and said, we need to, to sort something out. And uh, he had betrayed his customers. So he's, he's quit. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Ever heard of such a thing? Just about it this morning, apart from Mum and Dad's dead ringer, because they had a picture the other day of Mick Jagger's startlingly similar teenage son. Then they've got a picture of poor old uh, uh, George. George is Gary Lineker's son. Looks exactly the same. Bit geeky. Sticky out ears and teeth. And at one time you used to read about him in the papers. Now you don't read about him at all. I think his father tried to fix him up with women and it sort of all went a bit pear-shaped after they tried to turn him into some sort of Lothario. And uh, that one disappeared completely. Uh, front page of the paper, it's Peaches Geldof. Heroin kept in a sweetie box. Uh, the male have exactly the same. The Queen's rousing cheers. As she turned up yesterday, fantastic state of preservation, Her Majesty. Peach's baby son, according to the Metro, left alone. The son, overdosed ten times bigger than Paula's, baby in house with body for 17 hours. She lied over the habit, as indeed most people do, I should imagine. The husband and the 12 kids who were dumped. 
Uh, and Katie Hopkins, who says it's OK for women to bonk their way to the top. Not if you're desperately unattractive. Although perhaps it's, that's the way it works. Uh, Peach's baby alone with body for 17 hours. And missing Claudia, man arrested after all this time. The Telegraph have Glasgow, the first winner of the Games. They said it was absolutely fantastic. Everybody looking uh, very happy. And it all worked well. I'm back tomorrow from four with some in conversation. If you missed any of today's show, you can get the new podcast service, lbc.co.uk. Later on LBC, Andrew Pierce is here from 7am, standing in for Nick Ferrari next. Lisa Aziz with the morning news.